Boston Sports Syndicate. Welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate podcast. Michael Travers bringing it to you. And as always, I have uh, my, uh, my one of my co-hosts with me, uh, Mr. Bill Travers. Bill, how's it going? Going good. How are you? Uh, I'm not bad. Not bad. Um, we have two major breaking news uh, to get to here for the Boston Sports Syndicate flagship show, as we've decided to call it. Um, number one, we have expanded our panel, our cast, our hosts. Um, I think probably no surprise to anybody, if anybody listens or if those who listen to the Red Sox podcast to be named later, um, we have basically absorbed those hosts, and now it's kind of the Red Sox podcast to be named later plus me. Um so, without further ado, I'll bring in Chris Henry. Chris, welcome, and how's it going? I'm good, guys. Thank you. I'm I'm excited. I got called up to the show, so <laughs> this is, you know, I just don't want to be the Franchi Cadero and get sent down pretty soon. <laughs> what, what, welcome to the big leagues. Wait a minute. Um, are, are you calling the Red Sox podcast to be named later the AAA level? Because I don't think of it that way. Yeah, it's the, it's the Pawtucket. Oh, wait, no, the Worcester. Woo. Joking, joking. And uh, assuming he hasn't hung up yet, we have uh, the other co-host of the Red Sox podcast to be named later, uh, Maddie Kiwoom, as he's decided to take on the um, personality of. Maddie, what's going on? What is going on, fellas? I'm very excited to be on the flagship show because I don't know if you guys have, you know, any of the listeners would notice this, but got a lot, of, got a lot to say sometimes. So now we can expand it to all the sports, not just baseball. One thing I will say, and in, in case it was unclear, I'm going to make it very clear that this will now be the ongoing flagship cast. It'll be all four of us, and I'm excited. I'm thrilled to have these two join us. Um, Maddie and Chris bring bring the energy on the other podcast that they do, and hopefully I can control the off-the-rail parts of it a little bit and, and reel everybody in because uh, otherwise I feel like between – you guys going off the rails, me going off the rails and talking nonstop. We might be here for anywhere from five to six hours. Um, so I'm going to try and keep it, keep it reeled in. And so that we don't end up doing that. So, uh, but I'm excited to have you guys join us. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. So should we, should we go get right into it? Let's, yeah, do, it. let's do it. Does anybody have, before I make my second major breaking news announcement, does anybody have any quick thoughts that they want to lead us off with? Uh, Bill, I can start with you. You know I never have any quick thoughts. These are always long, ongoing things. But, yeah, I do have one concerning baseball that I think I want to save to when we talk about the Red Sox. It's not a Red Sox quick thought, but it's a baseball quick thought. Okay, so Maddie, Red Sox tease. Maddie, in your uh, debut for the, for the flagship, do you have any opening thoughts? Uh, I'm going to save some of my juicy thoughts for the actual breakdowns, but I just want to say it's a great time for Boston sports. we got Celtics going into the home stretch, Bruins in the home stretch, Red Sox getting their season underway, and now we have the NFL draft this week, so we are chock full of Boston sports. Chris? I mean, I can't follow up that, so... Yeah, I, don't I don't know why I lead with Matt. I should probably start <laughs> ending with Matt. He brings all the positive energy and the happiness. And But anyway, go ahead. Um... No, I'm gonna wait until we get into the um, until we get into the Red Sox because I got a few I got a few little uh, things that I want to say uh, in regards to that, and I got a few Celtics pieces too. So I think we'll wait till we get into the actual teams. 
So a teaser for the episode, which I think is good to do, because I mean, this is this is going to be a long episode. They always are. So this will, this will be right an hour plus we're looking at here. But the we're going to get to the draft. Obviously, we're going to talk Bruins post trade deadline. We're going to talk Celtics uh, home stretch, as Matt said. And uh, Red Sox is just kind of, you know, we're maybe an eighth of the way through the season, maybe a little bit more, a little bit right around an eighth. Right, I would say. And, uh, you know, what we've seen so far from them, positives from Maddie, negatives from me, obviously. And uh, we'll kind of go from there. But before I get to that, we have um, another announcement, which will be uh, an agreement that we've reached with a company named Symbol. Um, so what symbol is, is they are essentially think stock market meets um, sports, major sports teams. Uh, so, so they do basketball, they do football, they do baseball, and essentially it's peer-to-peer. You can buy, you can sell stocks, shares in professional sports teams. You get a kickback if they win, nothing happens if you lose, and it's traded on the free market. So if I own the Red Sox share and Chris wants to buy it from me, he can pay me a thousand dollars for it. Uh, even though I only bought it for maybe 35, he can, he can buy it for me for a thousand because I understand how the free market works. And I know how badly Chris wants to own a portion of the Red Sox. That's essentially how, how it goes. And, and, and it's a short term, long term investment that you can put on a team. And, you know, if, if, the Red Sox turn it, or the Red Sox continue to surge here. They head to the playoffs. Their value is obviously going to go up. If they take a turn for the worse, you'll see their value go down. And it's kind, of, it's it's like playing the stock market, but for professional teams. And we've reached an agreement with them to be their Boston content provider. So I don't want to speak for any of you guys, but for me myself, I've already I've already put down a deposit. I bought a share. I bought at least one share in every team. Um, I did come out with the uh, introductory article that you guys can all check out on uh, bostonsportssyndicate.com, kind of introducing what it is, how we're going to handle it, and uh, the content that we're going to have going forward. We're going to cover We're going to cover the ups and downs of the teams. Uh, we're going to cover the, the probably the rivals and how their stocks are doing. And, um, yeah, so I, I know, I'm sure you guys have thoughts on it because it's, it's fresh and new to everybody, but that's basically the, the, uh, the business side of it, I would say, for me, so. Yeah, it's a really exciting concept. Uh, I was very impressed when we spoke with their owner uh, about about what he's done. He's he's created this from the ground up. Right now, they own they're only doing three major sports: baseball, basketball, and football. Uh, they will be looking to get into um, NHL uh, when that season starts again, probably in the fall. So uh, now's a good time to get in on the ground floor. I, I think if people are still wondering what it's all about one of the uh, examples that he gave was um, say you had stock in the Jacksonville Jaguars and last year um, they didn't have a very good season um, and it, the Jets were didn't have a win and it looked like the Jets would get the first pick the Jets ended up winning a couple of games and changed so the Jaguars looked like they were going to get the first pick the Jaguars stock went up so that's an example of how things can fluctuate through the market with what happens in real life. So it's it's a really interesting concept, and if you're a follower of sports, um, it's it could definitely up the ante for you. And in a negative aspect, he also mentioned how he saw the Bengals stock uh, plummet after the injury to Joe Burrow. So it happens right. in in both directions, and it's quick too. I mean, you think you know Joe Burrow gets hurt, 
that shouldn't really affect the stock. He's only going to be out for the season. But he said, no, it, it, it affects it. And you see an immediate impact from real life things, um, you know, affecting affecting the way that that people are buying and and selling the, the, the teams. So uh, Matt and Chris, you guys have thoughts on it. All right. Let's start with Chris. Yeah. You know, what's what's going to be cool about it is that, you know, kind of like what you just talked about is, you know, there's a lot of different angles that we can create different content to kind of talk about really, you know, just symbol and, and how like from with baseball, you talk with there's the Yankee side of it. You know, what if the Red Sox are they're still in contention around the All-Star break? They make a trade. How is that going to go and, and fluctuate the price of what each, um, you know, their their team stock is going to is going to be if the Celtics make the playoffs and. They go on a tear. How does that go ahead and influence it a little bit? And then just with the Patriots too, now with the draft coming up, um, you know, if they, let's say they trade and they, and they grab a quarterback, you know, is that, what's that going to do for it? And then, you know, the fantasy side of it, I think there's so many different angles that we can, that we can try to take this and be different and unique than some of the other uh, content that I've so far read. Um, so it'll be exciting once we get this thing rolling and uh, there should be something within real soon, I think uh, it's coming out. Within one thing that I'm really, really excited to watch is how like rivals affect the Red Sox, the I mean the Red Sox or the Celtics or or the um, the Patriots. So like what I mean is like let's say that the Yankees go out and they make a blockbuster trade and they get who know who who knows they get you know say uh, Bryce Harper or something like that or the Jets go out and get Julio Jones. How is that going to affect the way people see? the Patriots, you know, or the Bills go out and get, get Julio Jones. That's probably a better example. You know, now all of a sudden maybe the Patriots don't look like they'd be a, a division contender. So now, you know, how's that going to affect the Patriots stock? And I think it, it, it opens the door. So it's not just, you know, Patriots or, or Celtics or Red Sox. It can be what's happening around the leagues and you can, you can relate it back to the team that you're, and, and you don't have to just even invest in just the home teams. You can, you can buy any team in the whole league. So that's, you know, I think it's I think that's going to be an interesting aspect to it. And I'm really excited for it. If you can't can't tell. That's about as positive as I can go for the longest <laughs> time. So but now for Matt, positive over to Matt. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you, you, you got it started. But, you know, over the course of my adulthood, I've seen fantasy sports blow up daily fantasy sports blow up. And now based on retail trading, I've seen like the interest in the stock market blow up. Symbol kind of just meshes all that together. And it's a really cool idea, uh, and I really enjoy. It. I think it's, I think it's absolutely killer. Uh, and I'm not the only one. I was doing some research today on the uh, the old market, and it looks like a lot of teams, their stocks have gone up, which means a lot of money is coming into the market, and a lot of people are getting involved. So as we see some of these stock prices go up in the symbol market, it's awesome because that means people are participating. And like Bill said, get in now while you can. Yeah, and they said as they get more people, they'll open up more shares. So I think, I mean, I think it's 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 got a ton of potential to grow, and I think it's going to be a really uh, a really awesome thing for us to do and be a part of. And uh, you can be a part of it now. Any any listener, any of you guys, um, if you go to symbol.app/bss, you can sign up, and with our code BSS, you can uh, get an additional ten dollars added into your account with your first deposit. So definitely worth it. Definitely something that. Uh, that I, that I, you know I I'm going to do so I you know I can I can I can say I can recommend uh, at least taking it taking a little chance and it's I, I think it'll be worth it it'll be fun to ride out some of the highs and lows of different teams 
And I want to add that we are the exclusive symbol provider in the Boston market. So if you're looking for symbol content, don't go anywhere else. Stay here at the syndicate. Excellent point. Now, should we talk about actual Boston teams here? Does anybody have any uh, preference on where they like to go first? I personally would like to save the draft for later. So uh, anybody have any preference? Can we get the Celtics out of the way? Sure. Let's talk about the Celtics. Matt? All right. So the Celtics now, they're in the home stretch. I think it's their last 14 or so games. Uh, you know, they they were – last time we recorded the Above the Parquet podcast a week ago, they were at the top of the roller coaster. And then after a disastrous loss to the, you know, the whatever, Charlotte Bobcats, don't call me that, they're the Hornets. Uh, yeah, I'm I, again, I'm back to the spot of I don't know exactly what to think of this team in terms of getting into the playoffs and how far they can even go into the playoffs. So, you know, why don't we go around the table and kind of just see what everyone's thoughts are, where they are, and where they're going to be. I think the biggest thing with this team is, is honestly health, and it feels like they can't get healthy. You know, they bring in Evan Fournier at the trade deadline. They finally make a move. They bring in Fournier, and then he's on the COVID list. And, you know, it just seems like that they can't put everything together all at once. Um, not a big Marcus Smart fan, but, you know, losing Marcus Smart as, as your sixth man hurts you. And, you know, he's been out. Kemba's been out. Tatum had COVID uh, effects. Brown's unhealthy. It just seems like none of them, they, they just can't stay healthy and they can't all be healthy at the same time. But, you know, what concerns me about that is you'd expect somebody to step up and take the load. And it just seems to me like nobody on this team does that. You know? Tatum did it for Tatum did it for for 5 6 games or so. Yeah, because it could, because Kendrick Perkins tweeted at him. Well, and, yeah. said, and said, "Oh, wow, you had a bad game," basically. But that's what the great teams do is when somebody goes down, somebody else will step up and up their game. And and all they seem to do is be making excuses about it. This team is just so frustrating. You know, they can they flashes of of really great play and then just have stinkers like they did against Charlotte the other night. This, this isn't a great basketball team. And what's what's really you know upsetting about the whole thing is that it's it's relatively the same exact team as last year, and they actually made upgrades. They added Tristan Thompson, who has been he's been useless. He's given them nothing. I, you know, I was at least expecting some sort of like off the court nonsense with the Kardashian clan, and not even that came into fruition. He's brought literally nothing to this basketball team. And then you bring in Jeff Teague, who, for all intents and purposes, should have been that depth piece behind Kemba. He washed out. You make They make some moves at the deadline, and, and, and Mike just said it, Fournier can't stay healthy. And on top of it, on top of it, there's not one person on that entire team that can step up and be a leader and that be healthy. It's fine. But when they're healthy, they have no leadership to back that up. This team is going to be lucky if they get through the first round, they'd be lucky if they can actually get through playing in the NBA's version of the NIT with those little final spots. So this is going to be lucky when it comes to the leadership thing. Do you, I mean, and me personally, I think that the, that the team is a little bit too young. Like they're too young. Like they have, they have superstar potential. They have, you know, obviously they have Brown, they have Tatum, um, and and then they just don't have a they don't have veteran leadership. It should be Kemba Walker. He apparently is not he's not that guy, and I think you're you're seeing that now. And 
you know, we all looked at Kyrie Irving like he was the problem. And I don't I, I don't necessarily know if I if I think that that's the case anymore. And and I, I just think that there's no there's no leadership. You think about the, the great Celtics, the great Celtics teams of our my generation with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, like you had leadership there. Now you, it just seems like you have talent that thinks that they're leaders, but they're not. And, and you know, it almost it almost seems like with the NBA, normally the best players win. That's just that's the way that it goes. A team that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on win because they're the best players in the league. And that's 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 the way that it goes. And it seems like we just we want it's almost like we want Tatum and Brown to be at that level as opposed to seeing it with our eyes and saying, you know what, they're not really at that level. They, 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 they just should be at that level because they're the best players on this team. And it just it just seems like a lack of leadership. And you know who I miss? Honestly, Gordon with the good hair. He did have everyone. Hair. Everyone criticized me for saying that that was going to be a big piece that they lost to this team. And and I I think he would be a substantial upgrade from anything that's come in to this point. You basically had to go out and replace him at the deadline, and getting Fournier, who's not as good. Yeah, but if he was still on the team, he'd be on the sidelines injured too. Right, and I think the court. Uh, he he wouldn't provide that leadership that the team needs. Uh, in the NBA, given the, the the small roster size, typically I would say probably close to 90% of the time, the leaders come from the highest paid players. It's just it comes with the territory. And right now the Celtics' highest paid players, other than Kemba Walker, are Brown and Tatum, and they're just not ready to take that – Take the reins on a leadership. This team, throughout the entire season, is is a team of sample sizes. Whatever snapshot you use, they either look like the greatest team in the league or the worst, and that is due to a lack of leadership. And and even on top of that, you know, Chris, you mentioned how bad Tristan Thompson is. I also think he could be rubbing off in a negative light. I haven't forgotten those comments he had to the press where he was referring to LeBron James turning it off and then turning it on in big games. Yeah. The Celtics aren't there yet. They don't got the players that can do that. They need to take the, the, the regular season seriously because when it is time to turn it on, they're, I mean, clearly they're not doing it. I mean, wouldn't you think they turned it on against the Nets? They lost, and they didn't even have James Harden. They, they're, they've been swept by the 76ers. Shouldn't they have turned it on for those games? So I just I, – I, I'm concerned about – not concerned about the talent as much as I'm concerned about the the cohesive unit, the the, the team. They're not they're not ready to compete like the Miami uh, Heat did last year. Do you guys honestly think that this Celtics team, even if they were playing their best, can get by the Nets and the Sixers? The Great Sixers question. certainly. Definitely. Do you think they can get by the Sixers? Because remember, the Sixers have Doc Rivers now as their coach, not the clown that they had last year. So I think they're going to be a lot more focused going into the playoffs than they were last year in the bubble. Oh, they'll definitely be more focused. You know, Doc Rivers brings that X factor. But they still have, you know, their second-best player cannot shoot, and their big man is their best player. And, you know, you got a guy like Time Lord, you can double-team them and, and really get them out of whack. And Tobias Harris, who's at number three, hasn't really been as good as expected in 2021-2022 or 2020-2021. Doesn't it sort of feel like the 76ers are what the Celtics kind of hope to be? And and by that, I mean, like, they, they have two young stars in Embiid and um, the kid who can't shoot. Simmons. Uh, Simmons, Ben Simmons. And, you know, you're just waiting for them to take the next step. You're waiting for them to become the MVP candidate. You're waiting for them. And and it seems like they've made that jump. I would argue Ben Simmons is is one of the better defenders in the entire league. Correct me if I'm wrong. One of the no, better no. defenders in the entire league. He's a six foot nine point guard, which makes 
no sense in the in the world of the NBA or six foot ten, whatever he is, which makes no sense in the NBA whatsoever. And then Embiid has taken that step to be an MVP candidate and has a re- legitimate chance at being the MVP of the league. And it's like that's what you want Tatum and Brown to be. And that's like it almost like you've seen these two teams progress. They both, you know, they had their high draft picks, their lottery picks, and 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 took their players. And you're just waiting for both teams to take it to the next level. And the 76ers seem to have done that. And the Celtics are just a middling crap team. Now, I don't think anybody's getting by the Nets. Like, I, assuming the Nets don't, the, wa- the wheels don't come off the wagon there, I don't think anybody's getting by the Nets. I think the Nets are coming out of the East because it just seemed yeah. like, it just seemed like, you know, big name player gets bought out, he's going to the Nets. Big name player gets bought out, he's going to the Nets. Big name player gets traded, he's going to the Nets. And it's like, okay, like, what, what, why even try at this point is almost how it feels. But the 76ers, that's a team that the Celtics should be neck and neck for, fighting for that number two seed. And they're just not. They're they're just they're not good. That's like that's 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 the issue. They're, you know, the thing is, they're good. They're not great. And we at this point in their development, we're expecting greatness. And like you said, the 76ers are a few years in their development, advanced in the Celtics, and they're showing it. But that doesn't mean the the Celtics are still underachieving. We talked about this on ATP last week. They're still definitely underachieving. Uh, and, and I just it's it's disappointing to see that when you when you look at the fork in the road, on one side. You could either buy your team, the Nets. On the other side, you can develop your team, like the 76ers, and the Celtics feel like they're floating in the middle, where they're kind of like they tried to build it outside of the the, the franchise, didn't work. They tried to build it all through draft picks. They're still kind of seeing if seeing if that can work. So it's like, what are they gonna do? And I, I you know I hate to say it, but if you're talking about just straight up team builders, Danny Ainge versus I can't remember the guy's name for the Philadelphia. The guy from Philadelphia is doing better. Tobias Harris has been better in terms of big money than any of the one that Danny Ainge has brought in. He's brought in great backups. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, role players like Danny Green. They just brought in George Hill. Those dudes are helping the team out quite a bit. And the Celtics, you know, they they, they make a, a, a you know a, a no-brainer trade for Fournier because they didn't give up anything. They seem to do okay in the draft, right? They have definitely shown that Danny Ainge can scout a college player. But it's just they're not putting it all together, and there's something wrong with that. And I don't know. Do you guys think it's Brad Stevens? No, but unfortunately he's going to end up being the scapegoat in this whole thing. I mean, at the end of the season, would it surprise you if the Boston Celtics and Brad Stevens sort of parted ways? Uh, it wouldn't, and it's unfortunate because he's one of the best NBA coaches in the league who has a talented roster, but the roster just thinks that there's something other than what they actually are. And we've, we've been saying it. They're just not a good cohesive basketball team. And what's the first thing that you look at and you do? You get rid of the coach or you get rid of the general manager because the players are generally the last to go. So the players are fine in this whole thing. It's more than likely going to be Stevens that's going to go first. In my opinion, I'd, I'd move on from Ainge. I'd, get, I'd go and move on from Ainge because the dynamic that he's put together is no longer working. This isn't the years of Garnett where you can just go in and be going to swoop on in and get the Garnets and the Ray Allens of the world to put with your Paul Pierce and run with it. It's not there anymore. He had all the assets, which he essentially turned into Brown and he turned into Tatum. But everything after that, I mean, look what they're stuck with. We're overvaluing wow. guys like Langford and and we're thinking that sure. Williams – and then we think that Williams is the second coming of the next greatest Celtic center, and we elevated this dude onto the – onto a higher platform. I, I'm just I'm out on the Celtics team. They're just they're not a fun team to watch. They think they're better than what they are and I hope they get punched in the mouth in the first round. Hope they get swept. There's my big take. 
Hope they get swept so I have to watch any more of this on the television. Yeah, I don't this... watch the Celtics anyway, so I'm ahead of you on that one. But go ahead, Matt. What were you going to say? No, see, it's, it's not a perfect comparison uh, because it's not ex- apples to apples. But Danny Ainge, I think, in the record books is going to go down like Billy Bean. He's the guy who introduced the big three to the league but never really capitalized and dominated with his own, you know – for lack of a better term, invention. And Billy Bean did the same thing with Moneyball. He was able to put together a good product, but he was never able to really be a dominant team. Other guys like Theo Epstein and, and Andrew Friedman, they took the baton and you know really took that uh, philosophy and ran with it. And I'm thinking you're seeing the same thing throughout the entire league. Everyone wants to build a big three, and just certain teams are winning, and the Celtics seem to not be the team winning. Yeah, but I don't know if I blame Ainge. Chris, Chris was blaming Ainge. I don't know if I blame Ainge because he brought in Al Horford. He brought in Gordon Hayward. He drafted right. And, and he, I mean, it's hard to miss in the top five, in my opinion. I mean, I know it happens, but it's it, it's hard to miss in the top five, especially now it, with, with the way that these kids are – the the airtime that these kids get and, in, in, you know, ESPN covers it. And, and, and you can see more college games than you can see hockey games at this point, and that's heartbreaking, but it is what it is. And so I don't know if I blame Ainge. I don't really know that I blame – that I blame uh, Stevens either. The only thing I'll say about Stevens is it appears that he is better suited to to coach teams that aren't that don't have superstar players. Like mm-hmm. think back to like the Isaiah Thomas, like the 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 that Celtics team where they were supposed to be bad and they weren't because of Brad Stevens. And he that. implemented a system and he implemented, you know, he, he implemented a way to play basketball. And it's like a, you think about it, it's like a college. You, you know, he he it's a team game. He built a team game around the Isaiah Thomas Celtics and it worked and you can implement a system. You can do that in college. You do that with the teams that aren't, you know, the Charlotte Bobcats, Hornets, whatever they are. You can do that with teams like that. The lesser, you know, maybe the new Orleans Pelicans, you can do it with the smaller market teams that don't have these superstars in a superstar league, but it's not going to win. You're not going to, you know, you can, you can make a good Celtics team out of Isaiah Thomas and schlubs, but you're still not going to win with that. You need the superstars and maybe the players need to listen to Brad a little more. Maybe Brad needs to adjust a little bit and, and, you know, maybe he needs to scream at Tatum. He doesn't seem to have that. You know, he seems to be the most calm. You know who Brad Stevens sounds like and reminds me of, honestly, Derek McVeigh of uh, Fire the Muskets. If you listen to Brad Stevens and Derek McVeigh talk side by side without seeing it, you might think it's the same person. Same demeanor, same tone, same voice. Like, it, it, like it, that, that's who he reminds me of. Like, I'm convinced that Derek never gets mad. I will sit here and scream, I hate Marcus Smart. And Derek would just be like, yeah, but you're wrong. That's an opinion it's, that you can have. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you, you can think that, but you'd be incorrect. And it's like, oh, I can't even stay mad. But, <laughs> but that's that's what Brad Stevens is. That's what Brad Stevens appears to be like. And well, that's, maybe that's he what needs he's like to, for the media. You don't know what he's like in the locker room. He could go. Uh, he may just be the type that doesn't like to throw his players under the bus in front of the media. In the locker room, yeah, maybe he tears him a new one. We don't know that. But you don't see it even on the court. You see all of these coaches screaming, yelling, and say what he, you want about Stan. He's not even the type that'll, that'll bark at the refs. I mean, an, an no, NBA coach that it's constantly barking at the refs, and he doesn't really even do that. Has he even gotten a technical? In in what has he, he been has here, like before, seven or eight yeah. years? I feel like he whispered poop into the refs' ears. <laughs> that's like the, that's as bad as it gets. That was a it just took the ref. The referee was completely shocked. He was like, "Wait, boop, boop, D, D, technical." Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, they're a team. But maybe, maybe he needs to. They're a team that it, they live by the three and they die by the three. And is that on Stevens or is that the is that the players he was given? You know, they don't have that force inside 
that they can work the ball in. That's why they struggle against the Sixers because they're so outsized by the Sixers and Embiid. He can do whatever he wants down low. They've got to take the three from outside. And if they're not hitting the three, they know it. And it's yeah, I don't like think th- I don't think that they have to though because if you look at Tatum Brown, what do they have over Embiid? Athleticism, speed, and they just pound the ball to the ground. Yeah, but just when a team can collapse pound, in pound, and guard pound. the basket. And then you're forced to shoot the three, and if you're not making the three, then you're in for a long night. I still think you can attack the hoop with speed, athleticism, get get Embiid moving, get get bigger players moving. But you've got to get rebounds to get the speed to get down the other end of the court. If you're just slowly yeah, walking yeah. the ball up the court, pounding the ball into the ground, and, and doing iso ball, waiting for the last five seconds on the shot clock before you make your move, you miss that shot, you don't get the rebound, ball's going back the other way. Yeah, one and dones, one and dones, and that's 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 probably partially on Stevens too, and players not recognizing it, and and needing to to up the tempo a little bit, and they they just they don't. It, it, Chris is right, the team's not fun to watch. In, in the in the handful of games that I've watched this season, it's like, all right, enough. Oh, there's another miss three. Oh, there's Marcus Smart throwing the ball to nobody. In well, a here big we go, moment. blowing another lead. Oh, here we go. Yeah. They're not coming back because they're yeah. cold shooting from the three. Yeah. No, here, here we go. Someone else is injured. Oh, here we go. Someone else is on the COVID list. Oh, here we go. It's just, I'm over it. I'm over it. Those a half hour those... into the flagship show, here I am in the trenches with you gentlemen. What, what did you do to me? <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes is all it takes. <laughs> um, do you want to talk anything else Celtics or are we Celtics now for, for right now? No, we're now? over it. I think I'm Let's Celtics move on. Out, yeah. You want to move on to Bruins? Let's get the Bruins out of the way because they're the no one cares about the Bruins. All right, I'm going for a snack. You guys talk. (laughs) Uh, One thing I would say that the the Bruins and the Celtics to me remind me a lot of each other where it's like this Jekyll and Hyde, like hot streak, cold streak. Um, But I will say this. I haven't done anything since the Bruins since the Bruins traded for Taylor Hall. We, we had a uh, Bleed Black and Gold podcast where we talked about what we thought the Bruins were going to do, and I wanted them to sell. I thought they were done, and I and, and I just don't think that it's worth it. Blah blah blah. Clearly, Sweeney uh, didn't listen to me and uh, went against my advice and went out and, and and trades for Taylor Hall. And man, has it lit a fire under under the Bruins. They went on a it was a five game win streak, six game win streak maybe. Uh, they look like a completely different team. Now, I know they played the Sabres a bunch, and I know I, I get that. But they look like a completely different team if you look at the first five games leading up to the trade deadline and then the next five games after that. It just seemed like they they had a little extra step. Krejci's been a different player. Uh, Hall's fit in nicely. Craig Smith has been has been the balls for, for the last month. It just it, it, it seemed to spark the team, and it seemed to uh, point them in the right direction. Yeah, I, I would have to admit, I'm not going to pretend like I watch every Bruins game. I'm pretty much a casual hockey fan in general. But one thing I do know, Taylor Hall has been rumored to the Bruins for 10 years, right, Mike? Like, I feel like he's always been linked to the Bruins, either through free agency or trade deadlines or in the offseason. And maybe they were just onto something. Because, like you said, they brought the guy in and he's played – it was like he turned the switch on. Well, the thing about Taylor Hall is – He's been the missing piece to what the Bru- for what Bruins fans have needed and, and longed for for the last, I don't know, 10 years is a left 
right-handed shot to play with David Krejci. And he just never seemed to get a guy who could shoot, who could who could move, who could score. David Krejci is one of the be- has one of the best passers in the league. And 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 right. if, if you watch that guy with the puck, it is he's he's unbelievable. He doesn't do anything crazy flashy, but he's simple and he's 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 just incredible with the puck, and his his presence with the puck is incredible. And he's never had the left-handed side shooter to re- it was supposed to be Jake DeBrusque, and, and and that's why Taylor Hall made sense. And what Taylor Hall did was it was basically between the Bruins and the Sabers, and then the Sabers said we're going to give you a, a crap load of money, and the Bruins were like no, we're not going to do that. So he signed with the Sabers, had a horrible, brutal season. Nobody likes playing in Buffalo. They just seem to be like uh, the eyesore of the NHL. Everyone hates it there. And they continually suck, and he had a, he has a no trade clause. So the Sabers had someone was offering the Sabers a first round pick for Taylor Hall, and Taylor Hall said, "No, nah, I'm good. I want to go to Boston." And Boston knew that because it was it was the two of them left when he was signing in the off season, and so they sent a second round pick. Right, which is got two players, right? Nothing. Yeah, they got Lazar too, which is which he's not a. Lazar is, is is another thing that the Bruins love. Bruins fans should love Lazar because he's he's got he has some skill like which I always base he's Trent Frederick with skill. That's basically what he is. He's got he's high energy. He love. I listened to an interview when he got traded here, and you know what the first thing he said about his game was? I love to kill penalties. To which I said, Why? That's the worst job in all in in in, in all of sports. Because mm-hmm. you do nothing but lay in front of pucks. And you, you you just have to chase and 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 it, it it it's it's not fun. And he the that's the first thing he said. I love to kill penalties. And I was in baseball. Was like, in baseball, we call that the dirt dog. But what do yeah. they call that in hockey? Uh, a goon. Uh, Gregory Campbell. I don't know. Like it's just <laughs> like that's like that's just that's like it's just it's a horrible and. And the, the thing the, the other thing that helps is Bergeron kills penalties, Marshan kills penalties. You don't want those guys killing penalties. Yes, they're they're unbelievable at it, but you don't want that. So having a guy that you can rely on that's a fourth, a fringe third, fourth line skater with some skill who can shoot. That's a home run. Who loves to kill penalties? It's a home run. And he's good at it. It's a great, great, great accuracy. Now I hate to see Bjork go. Big Andrews Bjork guy. Wasn't working out, so I get it. But what a trade! I mean, what like it just it's it's ignited the team, and then they lose to the Sabers. But it's ignited the team, and and it's been, it they they've been they've been they've been outstanding for the last I don't know week and a half here. And I I hate making excuses, but I do think sometimes it is a little bit more fitting to do so. They've been on the road in Buffalo for a week and a half, so it does make sense that eventually they would go out and put a, a you know put a stinker out there. It's it's really hard to play the same team three times in a row on their ice and win all three. And then yeah. they have to go from Buffalo to Pittsburgh. You know, it's basically, you know, from it's, a, it's like going from New Bedford for, to Fall River, if you're talking about uh, this area. <laughs> and, you know, they lose a one nothing game to Sidney Crosby in, in the Penguins. So it's like, yeah, they did lose two in a row, but at the same time, you know, I think you, if they come out and win the next three, you can write those two off as kind of circumstance more than their play. So I gotta ask, can we, Chris, you look can like, we really gauge how well this team is playing when they're playing the same three or four teams every night? It's like the Red Sox in spring training played like four teams in all the spring training. You got the same thing going on with the Bruins; they're not playing out of their conference at all. Can you really get a good gauge of where this team is gonna, how they're gonna go in the playoffs yeah. without seeing them playing I, some other teams? 
I think you can. I you know, I think that if you just if you take away from and not look at the teams that they've actually played and actually just physically look at the Bruins playing hockey themselves, there's a different there's a different feel to this to this team. You know, Mike alluded to it before. You know, prior to the Bruins getting Taylor Hall, I probably would have been in the camp of at the end of the season, let Krejci walk. Now I'm kind of, well, let's sign Hall back and let's sign Krejci back and get three years of those two together. Because, you know, we're seeing in a very small sample size what this team could be in six, seven, eight games, right? Now I imagine that over the next three years. On top of that, I think that Lazar may be probably like the – maybe the throwing in the deal has, has actually been probably one of the better pieces they've had. I did an article on the website and I compared him to Danny Payet. And when he came here back in the early, you know, 20, the, the, the year, the one they went on the run for the Stanley cup, he essentially did the same thing that Lazar's doing right now. And it's kill penalties and solidify the bottom line. And they've needed that Trent Frederick, to be honest with you, has just not been able to do it. Yeah, he's kind of mixed it up and he's created some energy, but he really has not been able to do really what, what Lazar has done over the last couple of you know, weeks in being here. And let's not forget, too, Riley, he's playing significant minutes right now for the Bruins, 24 minutes the other night. He just – it's just a defense that needed something so badly, not even a body, like an, a legitimate NHL defenseman. They've tried to, to patch it together. They they added the dude to Nordy who they got off waivers a few weeks back. Um they they put some different things there. Now you got legitimate NHL defensemen that you, that you can get out there. I mean, they they made three. They they brought in three slam dunk type moves, type players to fit this team so perfectly. Yeah, they're going to go and have a little bit of a run where they're not going to play well. We're going to see the last couple of games. But I went to the game where they played the Capitals last Sunday. It looked like a completely different hockey team. It just when when Lazar is on the ice, a lot of energy. Taylor Hall did not exactly have the greatest game against the Caps last Sunday, but I just think in general, this is a different. It's exciting. Sweeney went out and actually made he made moves that made sense for his roster, and I give him credit. The dude has been aggressive the entire time that he is that he has been the GM of this of this hockey club, and I, I mean, this might be the three best moves that he's made in his in his tenure via trades. Bill, I'm going to take a wild swing and try to answer your question a little bit also. You know, usually, in general, playing the same team is not a way to gauge how talented you are. But in the Bruins' case, I'm going to say it it does a little bit because they struggle with the Islanders to start the year. And they've historically, over the last five, six, seven years, have struggled with the Capitals. And they took both of those teams out. Uh, I think twice they beat the Islanders, once they beat the Capitals. So, you know, if they were just piling it on to teams that they've historically piled it on with, I would be a little less optimistic. But the fact that they're kind of seemingly, you know, hurtling over their whatever the yips that they had with the Capitals and the Islanders this year is a good sign. Another thing uh, is, is playing the same teams over and over wouldn't benefit you if you were playing the Senators, the Canucks, the Flames, the Canadians. Basically, if you were the Toronto Maple Leafs. No, they, you're, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a ridicu- ridiculously talented team, and they're just playing a bunch of suck. And and that that wouldn't help you. And then in the other the West Division, you have the Ducks and the Kings and the Sharks who all suck. And then you look at the East, and yes, there's the Sabers, and yes, there's the Devils, 
Um, but but these other teams, the Penguins, the Capitals, the Islanders, that's that's the top of your division. And then the Bruins, that's that's the top four teams in this division. What all four of those teams have in common, they all play playoff style hockey. The Penguins are the Penguins have been on a tear as of late, but they play big boy hockey. You know what you're going to get out of Sidney Crosby. Malkin's been out, but he'll be back for the playoffs. They can they can they can play play you with skill. They can play you big bodied. You know, like the Blues played the Bruins a couple of years ago. The Capitals are notorious for being, you know, Tom Wilson, Alex, Alex Ovechkin for for hitting for for being big big bodies and hitting. And the Islanders play the most incredible trap in the entire league, and it's boring to watch them play. But all those things are going to work in your favor when it comes down to playoffs time because you've been playing playoffs type games for majority of the season because you're playing all of these teams. The downfall is you have to go through all of these teams to get to get out of the division, which sucks. But I mean, I mean, you you're looking at these teams and and yes, playing the Penguins a bunch of times, the Capitals, the Islanders a bunch of times. That's going to help your game because those teams are all better than than the entire Canadian division and probably most of the West division and probably most of the central division too. Like the top of this division is probably the hardest division in the league, in my opinion. So I, I think it's, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a, I think it's a benefit to, to, I mean, playing the Sabres and the Devils doesn't, doesn't help. But I mean, somebody's going to lose, you know what I mean? So like someone in that division has to get, has to lose. So I, I, I think it's a, it's a benefit and, and, it's going to be a gauntlet to get through the division, I'll tell you that. I mean, scoop up all the points you can when you're playing the Sabres. That's really the best thing that you can that you can pull out of playing Buffalo. You know, you can't afford – granted, they won a bunch. So, you know, you need to just scoop up as many points as you can against those style of teams. But you're right, Mike. This – the Bruins are going to – they're going to they're gonna match up against some of these teams potentially in the, in the playoffs. So it's a good tune-up to get ready for what they're going to potentially be like in the postseason. I'm excited. I, I mean, this 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 team has the the opportunity to go deep in the in the postseason. And I mean, look at the way Rask is playing. Look at the way that that Swayman is playing. Like, it just takes a goaltender to get hot. It kind of looks like they have two guys that. I mean, right now Rask is it looks really good coming off whatever was going on with him. So if he can kind of continue to keep that in, together, this team, you know, this team can make a run. They're just not going to have that playoff, you know, path like they had the year they went to the cup against the Blues. It's not going to be. Oh like that. no 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 no! They're 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 definitely going to have a tough road. They're definitely going to have a tough road, and they're going to have to earn it. But I, I mean, two or I don't know was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago before the trade deadline, I said there's no way that there's no need for them to. You no, know, I wanted to sell Krejci. I wanted to see if you could sell off the Brusque. I wanted to see if maybe you could move Smith. I wanted them to sell. And then, and now they made these moves, and now they at least are giving themselves the opportunity. And I think that they have a legitimate chance against the Penguins, against the Capitals, against the Islanders. Where two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I didn't feel that way. And so, I don't know. I think I'm excited for for playoff hockey, and we're almost there. So it's, uh, you know, I think there's what ten games left or something like that. So it's, uh, it, 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 buckle up, Mike. Before we move on. Can you just quickly tell me about this six foot two Alaskan stud, Jeremy Swayman? I feel like this guy came out of nowhere, and as a casual fan, I just don't know his story. Yeah, he he legitimately did kind he did come out of nowhere. Um, 
I mean, for the, for the longest time, you thought it was going to be Vladar was going to be the next guy. And, um, you know, Swayman, he, he, I'm pretty sure he went to college. He played at Maine. And you kind of you, you heard about him, but, you know, it was Vladar because Vladar's six foot eight or whatever he is. Um, and and he just he did. He came out of nowhere and he, he took advantage of his of his opportunity for sure. I mean, he he's what, five and two. I think he's got a sub two. So it's it's mm-hmm. he, he did. He legitimately did come out of nowhere. And the, the thing about him is everyone says he's just a normal dude, which is weird to hear about goalies because they're always weird. But he they just he just he just likes to stop pucks and that's just that's that's just what he does. Oh yeah. I can root for this guy. No, you can. You you absolutely I can. I can root for this guy. You can. And and again, it was it wasn't supposed to be him. You know, it was supposed to be um it was supposed Glenn. it was supposed to be Vladar and, Vladar and you know, opportunity comes knocking and, and here he is. So Hell yeah. I got another question for you then. For oh, me, I saw, I saw the head tilt. That's not a good sign. For me. So, we've got the expansion draft coming up, right? We Who do. Who do you protect out of your goalies? Mm. Swayman. Actually, you know, you might not even have to. You might not even have to protect Swayman. Because I don't think, I don't think the two young guys have to be as a yeah. amount of playing time, but. The problem is, is you're going to have to have at least one goaltender available. And I oh, it's Halak. I mean, but is he a free agent though? So it would be his rights, I guess. Yeah, you have the you have the rights to sign somebody. There, there is a funky, there is a funky thing where where if I mean, it would have to be the goalies. You have to expose one of them, right? That's that's the that's the rule. So it would be, it would have to be, it would have to be Halak's rights. But there is a funky rule with free agents where like. You don't have to protect Krejci because technically he's a free agent, so you don't you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to protect Hall because technically he's a free agent, so you don't have to protect those guys. You just let the expansion draft is before free agency, so you let the expansion draft go by and then sign them in free agency, and you don't have to protect them. I don't know if it works that way for goalies, but I mean, maybe I don't know. I'm not really sure, but the answer would be Halak. You you would you would expose Halak. That's if if you can. I think that's the that's the. The, the obvious answer. You only have to expose the one more serious goalie? question is what do you, what do you do going forward, Rask Swayman? How do you figure well, that out I, going that's, forward? And Rask is playing for a contract that's too. That's kind of so. where I was going with that is if you expose Rask and leave him to the opportunity to be drafted, now you're unloaded from his contract. If you think Swayman is the guy, or or Vlad is the guy, or they can be a viable tandem moving forward, do you potentially expose Rask so that you can get out from under his contract? Yeah, I don't. Uh... I don't know if I would say that that Swayman is the guy. He's had a a, a a a nice stretch here, but I don't know that I would I don't know that I would say that he's the like, he, like I would still take Rask, you know. But this this six is time, the Boston sports market. If somebody comes up and makes a splash, we start we start yeah, sculpting gotta... their bust for the Hall of Fame, and we anoint them moving forward. Tatum's already going to be in the Hall of Fame. Brown's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Swayman's going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's a done deal. Yeah, maybe he'll go. Maybe he'll be inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame. But the, but the the Rask is also a free agent after this year, so you could cut bait. You could cut bait with with Rask and just and just let him walk, and then you make Swayman the guy. But let's not forget. We I mean we talk about this with baseball players all the time. Some young kid comes up, he he knock he hits the cover off the ball, and then what happens? 
So could could Swayman be the Bruins version of the Red Sox's Tanner Houck? Could be, yeah, yeah. But what I mean, that's a perfect example. What happens? What happens? Houck has a good start, or you know, prospect prospect A comes up and and tears the cover off the ball. Bobby Dahlbeck tears the cover off the ball. Uh, the By guy the who way, looks like Chris, the guy who looks like Chris, Michael uh, Chavis comes up, and not you, Chris, my brother, Chris, and. Michael Chavis comes up, knocks the cover off the ball. Then what happens? Yeah, you're making my point, Michael. Which is? Boston sports, we hype these young players. No, 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 no. I'm talking about to the player. What happens to the player? Not not how we perceive him and how stupid Boston fans say, oh, he's the greatest ever. No. What, what I'm saying is is that all these players come up, and then tape gets released on them. Yeah, the league figures them and out. And then the league figures them out, and they, they start to learn how to pitch them. The same thing happens in hockey, like a, 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 with the exception of basically Connor McDavid. Like – you find out how to defend. You find out how to score. You find out the goalie's weaknesses. You find out like it, it, that's that's just what happens. So pump the brakes on saying he's the next guy, but he's been a very nice story here over the last I don't know three weeks or so while Halak has COVID issues and Tuka has the bubbly guts. Does that answer everybody's questions? Any any other questions? I'm good. Shall we go Red Sox or Patriots? I thought you wanted to say Patriots. I think we go Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. I think we segued. Yeah, right, into, right into the uh, Michael Chavis talk. Um, yeah. I'm going to be negative about the Red Sox because that's just what I do. Um, and so I'll let, I'll let – Bill, why don't you set the stage for the Red Sox? This is nice. Everybody's got different, got, got you know hands in different things and has a, a different specialty. Chris, you better be ready for the Patriots. And, and so, you know, Bill, set the stage for the Red Sox. Well, the Red Sox got off to a horrible start in their first weekend, and then they had a nice streak with they win nine in a row, and they've been pretty much a 500 team since. 10-game homestand, they went 5-5. Five and five. Now they head back out on the road. They're going to go to New York to face the Mets and then to Texas. So last week in my Red Sox column to be named later, I wrote an article asking, is it time to believe in the Red Sox? I didn't really answer it. I kind of left it up to the reader. But uh, a week later, things aren't looking as rosy as they had before. So I think this team definitely has some issues moving forward. And, you know, you're never as good – you're never as good as you look when you win, and you're never as bad as you look when you lose. But the streak that they've had lately, I think there's, there's been some negative things, definitely items of concern with this team moving forward. And I'll throw it out to you guys now for your thoughts. Matt, how do you want to do this? Because Michael said he was going to be negative. <laughs> you're always super positive, and I'm kind of on the fence. So should we? How should we? how should we do this? Um, uh, let Mike go first. Well, I just, I, I think like, you know, I, I don't jump on them when they lose three games to the Orioles. I'm also not going to congratulate them for, uh, for, for the hot streak that they had. It's nice. It was an, it was a nice story. It's a nice story. Like, okay, you win 10 of 11 or nine in a row, whatever it is. That's, that's great. That's awesome. Um, but it's been what, 20 games? Like, like let, let, let's pump the brakes here, okay? The Yankees are in last place. Do you think the Yankees are going to end up in last place in the division? Okay, do you think the Royals are going to win the AL Central? Like, do you Royals think they are a good team. Okay, but are they going to win the AL Central? No. No, the White Sox are going to run away with that division. I mean, it's just, it's so early in the season. Like, let's pump the brakes. And let's, let us not forget 
that this team lost three games to the Baltimore Orioles to start the season. Like everyone's like all hyped up. They, you know, they, they, here's the here we go, new season. Let's go. Three duds back to back to back to the Orioles. And uh, I forget who said it, but someone said it great. They all of a sudden they get into they get into shopping carts and everybody forgets that and like oh look at this team they're so fun like oh Alex Cora doesn't cheat anymore like they, it, stop Alex Cora's right back to his stupid smug face all of the time and I can't stand it and the other day he's pumping what's his name's tires oh that's what aces do go out and pitch against the Mariners that's what aces do like what like I I'm sick of it I'm already getting sick of it and. The only bright spot I've, I've actually seen from this entire – oh, and another thing. Why are we using Matt Barnes when we have a horrible bullpen? We, listen to me. The Red Sox have a putrid bullpen. Three games in two days, and we're using Matt Barnes in a non-save situation? Stupid. And then he gives up an earned run. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. The bright spot is Alex Verdugo. This kid is electric, and I love watching that kid play baseball. I'm good like I have, I, I have to respect uh, the the dedication to the haterade because that's all I was hearing right there was just massive haterade. Like yeah, his <laughs> you know Alex Cora can't fix his face even if you want to smash it, he can't fix his face. And I'm not this gonna is sit a face here. I want to punch. He he has a punchable face. <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna sit here and judge that because everyone has a face that they just have to punch. And yours is Alex Cora and Tom Brady. It's fine. <laughs> But the, so I, I was very positive about this team through spring training. And if you go back to listen to some of the uh, Red Sox podcasts we named later, you can the proof is in the pudding. And they're 14 and nine, and I'm I think that's a great record for them to have, you know, this this far into the season. They're five. They were five and five in their homestead. But I, you know, the Mariners are not the Mariners that we remember over the last couple of years. They're a good ball club. They're leading the AL West, and they, they have some legs. They will be around for most of the year. The White Sox, you just said they're going to run away with their division. I would have to agree with that, uh, and they split with them. And and th- losing a doubleheader in the same day, it, you can think of it how you will. If you have one bad day, it, it equates to two losses. That kind of sucks, and it just is what it is. But they've had a tough April schedule, so to be 14-9 and as they're heading to the last couple of games of the month is – is great. And again, they're going to get another big test on Wednesday. They're going to go against the best pitcher in planet Earth, Jacob deGrom. Uh, I I think they're they're proving that they're a better team than people thought. And the reason why they're good and the reason why I thought they'd be good is because their nucleus is as good as almost any team in the league that's not in California. Verdugo, Vasquez, JD, Devers, Bogarts is elite of elite, and they're killing it right now. They're off their their pitching. Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching for a contract. He's going to maintain. He's been uh, progressing throughout his whole career, and now we're starting to see the fruits of his labors. His injury history is going to be the, the, the red flag that everyone's going to allude to, and that's correct. If he could stay healthy, he, 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 he could be the ace of the staff. The other guys like Pavetta, you know, uh, R- Richards, you know, he's for the birds. He's probably not long for this rotation, uh, but they get, you know, Pavetta's been good. Perez has been doing exactly what they thought he would do. And, you know, Ivaldi, he's just, he's always been good when he can pitch. Will they get hurt? Sure, but they seemingly have some guys that they can fill in. Garrett Whitlock and Matt Andrees have made this bullpen light years better because they can give you valuable innings regardless of situation. If you're getting, if you need to stop the bleeding, Andrees can come in for two and a, two and a third, a third, and keep it under control. If you need some shutdown innings because you know Erod or Eovaldi, you know, labored through some innings, 
Garrett Whitlock can come in and devastate dudes with that changeup. So they they got the components to compete, and I just hope that Bloom uh, keeps feeding into this roster and not just let it see what happens, but you know gets aggressive and makes moves when the time comes because they can win. Chris, I'm going to let you talk, but I I, I I want to talk a little bit more about their record and, and where they are right now. But I want to let you talk first, Chris, because you haven't had a chance. Yeah, you know, I would I would have to say, objectively speaking, this team is overachieved. To be sitting in first place at 14 and 9 and through the, you know, and they're going to end up with a, with a winning record for the month of April, if you would have said they were going to do that at the beginning of the year, I would have said that you were crazy and I wouldn't have believed you. And so they, they have exceeded some expectations from that perspective. Their starting pitching has been – I mean, I, outstanding is not the word I want to use. It's not, it's not what I, how I want to describe them, but it's been damn good. And you take away the really black – the only black eye really is Garrett Richards. I mean, Martin Perez has been suspect here or there, he's, he, but he's, you know what you're going to get with him long term. But Garrett Richards, I mean – Every time the dude opens his mouth, I think people hate what he has to say more than what he did on the actual baseball field. Um, he's the new John Lackey. Yeah, David Price. He's he's in that 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 same like boat for me. Um, I, I don't think that the bullpen is putrid. I think the bullpen is is better than you're giving them credit for. Josh Taylor needs to go. He's a four A fringe reliever. But the team wants two lefties to go with Derwin, uh, Derwin's and Hernandez. Excuse me. Who also and, sucks. I don't know what the I don't know what the big deal with this. I don't know what the infatuation is with this guy because he throws incredibly hard. Everybody throws incredibly hard. He's got great stuff. He just can't put it together. But there's options within their system to replace Taylor. He's got a plus nine ERA. I mean. Time to cut bait, time to move on. If you're going to move on from anybody to start with, it's him. I would start with him. Beyond that, their offense has been absolutely, you know, been carried by the people who are supposed to carry them. J.D. Martinez is playing out of this world. Devers has been phenomenal. Xander Bogarts is statistically leading tons of different categories from hits to average, or he's in the, he's in the conversation of the top four for within those categories. Bogarts is quietly becoming – arguably one of the top four shortstops in all of baseball and not just with this year he's he's progressed getting there so the biggest question mark is going to be for this club is consistency from the long term you're getting nothing right now from your outfield other than Alex Verdugo Cordero is lost he's over the last million Hunter Renfro as much as people and myself, we defended the signing. We liked the signing. We put the spray charts of him in the million baseballs leaving Fenway Park. Really hasn't been the answer for Boston. So the Red Sox are going to have to figure that piece out. I do think that it might be a little too early for Jaron Duran. I don't want to go ahead and start, you know, really kind of like starting that momentum with that. I think it's early for him, personally. I don't think it's time to go that route. But if this team can get this consistent starting pitching from Avaldi, who's looked like an ace, Rodriguez, who is the ace, I mean, Mike, would you have, would you have thought that Nick Pavetta would have pitched like he's pitched since he's even come to Boston? No, and and 
I mean, that's kind of what I'm – I mean, I started my whole rant – I got way off track, but I started my whole rant by saying that, like, let's pump the brakes here because you just said it yourself. J.D. Martinez is playing out of this world. He's overachieving. De- Devers is, is, is hitting everything Well, I wouldn't right say that over. he's overachieving. I would say that he's I – would, I would say that the team as a whole is overachieved. Is he's overachieved. back. He's back. See, like, he the, 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 but, but, but to me, I'm just, I just, I, I just think that that he's, he's overachieving, and and Devers, Devers is probably overachieving. Bogarts is not going to hit 360 for the year. We know that. Pavetta's overachieving. Uh, Whitlock has looked good, but is he gonna, is he gonna sustain that? That's 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 a big question because he's pitched what four innings in, in in his major league career. Christian Arroyo's playing better than we thought. Like everybody is right now, seemingly overachieving. So at some point, they're like this is gonna this is gonna come back down to earth. And and Avaldi's pitching better. Rodriguez is 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 good. So I guess that one's fine. But like the, you're you're like I'm you know give me 50 games. Give me give me half the season and let's let's see where this is at and let's see if let's see if if we're having the same conversation about Nick Pavetta in two months that we're having right now. And and, and even even JD Martinez, even even Xander Bogarts. I don't disagree that he's not in the top five shortstop in the league. I'm not going to disagree with that at all. But he's not going to hit at 360 or 370 whatever the hell he's hitting right now. He's he's not going to continue that. And it seems like everybody's clicking right now. I, I agree so, with you yeah, on no. on the stats and not not to look at because it's been a small sample size. I mean, look at Christian Vasquez. He was hitting 420 something after the first week, and I think he's three for his last 25 or something like that. Yeah, everybody's going to hit the skids at some point. Vasquez is tough. But what I like about this team and what we didn't see last year was this team has some fight. They have some heart. They how many comebacks have they already had this year? And out of their losses, how many of them have really been bad losses? I can only think of a couple out of the losses that they had, whereas last year they were just taking a pounding night after night. Your starting pitcher is light years better than it was last year. I think with the exception of maybe a couple of the starts, all of the starters have gotten at least into the fifth inning, which is, you know, used to be nothing in baseball, but but the way things are now in the sport, you know, that's a milestone. If, if your starters can get you through the fifth, then you've got something. The bullpen has been much better than last year. So, you know, overall, I like what I've seen from this team, just taking the the record and putting it aside. They're a much better team than they were last year, and i got to attribute the whole thing to Cora. As much as you want to punch him in the face, and I'm afraid he's going to be arrogant, these guys love playing for him. And he gets the most out of it. Of course them. they do. Of course they do, because they can they can cheat and they can they can get get all the little hints. Yeah, and they, whoa, you whoa, can't, whoa! You, you can't, can't say that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Of course you can't. You have no evidence of that. He was no. He was no. He's he's back for a reason. The MLB investigation turned up that Alex Cora did not bring any of it to Boston. And if you want to say he did, that's just an opinion. You can have an opinion. It's just like anyone else can have an opinion. You want to call it heads? I can call it tails. It is what it's fifty fifty. But you can't sit here and say that this team's good because Alex Cora is helping them cheat. That's hate. On another level. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying that. And I'm. I'm, I'm if you ain't cheating. What? You ain't trying. Please. <laughs> Please. I just. I just like. Let's. Let's not. Uh, let's not go over the rainbow here with with, no, with the Red Sox. Okay. Like let's get. Let's give it a little time. They've had a nice April. They have beat some good teams. The Twins. The White Sox. Yes. They. They. They, they beat some good teams. But let's. You know. Let's. Let's let it play no, what, out. Is it, what a twin. Major what, concern I have with this team is the outfield. From night to night, it's it's a different combination. Verdugo's a constant, but what position he's going to play, who knows? One night he's in center, one night he's in left. And you saw a ball over the weekend that got over his head that he just absolutely butchered in center. 
you need consistency, and and you're just not getting it. You've got Franchi in one night. You've got JD in left one night. They need to get a consistent outfield, even if it's two out of the three spots, and then you platoon the other. But it just it really concerns me. They signed Kike Hernandez allegedly to be the everyday second baseman. He's had like five starts at second, and the rest of them have been in the outfield. Well, Arroyo's been playing well. Arroyo's been Arroyo's been he's playing well, off so that's too. why he's playing second. Well, he's cooled off recently. What, what I really need is Verdugo to get more games in center so he can get that center field eligibility for fantasy baseball so that I can utilize him in center field oh. while, while Cody Bellinger's on the bench, that, that, well, on the IL. Don't that's bring really that up. what I need. That's really what I need. Remember, remember the Mike trade me AB? Well, the Mike trade me Verdugo hashtag is about to start, baby. <laughs> you guys are going to talk fantasy baseball. I'm you going would... to get another snack. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, you guys have I, – I don't disagree with any of your analysis because it is early in the year, and, uh, you know, it, it's sample size, right? You can't make a decision on such a small sample size. But I will push back on one word, and that's the word overachieving. Overachieving is just a reflection on what you thought they'd be. I thought they'd be good, so I don't think that they're overachieving. You guys did not think they'd be good, so you think they're overachieving. Whereas I believe that their nucleus was nasty. Now, does that mean Xander Bogart's going to hit 400? Absolutely not. But every team has guys, you know, over their career averages that will come down and vice versa. And I just think that when when you're expecting JD, Bogarts, Devers, and Verdugo to carry the team, you're not asking. It's not like these guys came out of nowhere. These are all-stars year in and year out, and maybe even, you know, all MLB-type talents. So regardless of their statistics per se, obviously that's going to fluctuate. But they're going to carry this team. I don't think – but I don't think that the – I don't think that the offense was ever going to be in question. I I, I think right now the surprise, if there is, is is the starting pitching, and that's really the – that's really the surprise in, in, in this team is is how well the starting pitching is done. Nobody expected right. – I don't think anybody expected Erod to be pitching as well as he's been pitching after coming off a dead arm and not, not having pitched last year. And, I mean, Evaldi, same thing. Is, is you, I mean, you're just – you're almost just waiting for an injury to come and to just and to just make everybody out of the slots that they should be in, and, and you're just kind of waiting for that to come. But my point of, of pump the brakes is when you look at the, when you, even just the American League, the, the American League leaders right now through whatever, 25, 26, whatever, whatever, 23 games, whatever it is, Royals, Athletics, Red Sox. Do you think any of those three teams are going to be leading the division come the end of the season? Yes, Red Sox. <laughs> okay, well. But I said that in the beginning of the year. I said in the beginning of the year. I'm just, I'm just being consistent here. That's fair. Okay, fine. Let me go back. Throwback. You're wrong. But the the, the like I just it, best it's just, throwback. It, the best and worst throwback there I is. Thought, I thought we I thought it's we just banned swirly. that phrase on on this new incarnation. Well, listen, my listen, listen. We can bleep show, it. We can bleep listen, that. Listen, my show. I'm gonna do what I want. The I just it's it's just it's it's so so early and and you look at you look just look around the league and the, the surprises around the league and the teams that are supposed to be good that aren't Yankees the teams that are, that aren't the Yankees Astros angels like they're middling teams and you expect them to be good and and i just i think it's too early to to be this team's you know i would say i would say even going to make the playoffs i think it's early to to do that they look good they look good but let's relax please for the love of god relax all right i guess we're done with the red sox thanks thanks for throwing a bucket of cold water on our enthusiasm oh shut up shut up you you had a quick thought or an opening thought that were that that related to baseball, and I have two thoughts on baseball as a whole, 
that I want to talk about. But what was your thought? Uh, the recent seven-inning no-hitter thrown by whose name is this kid? Madison Bumgarner. Yes. So I've seen a lot of debate on whether that should be classified as a no-hitter or not. I say no. Chris, what do you say? I think that it should. I Matt, mean, what do you say? The game I counted. think it should, too. I say if you're going to count Let me ask it you as this. a no-hitter, you've got to have a separate category, like they do for the Why? season home run record for 154 games as opposed to 162. So let me ask let me ask you a question. Let's. I'm, I'm going to do hypothetical. Let's pretend that it's end of August. There's another seven-inning doubleheader. It doesn't matter the team. Player X is going in there with a 56-game hitting streak. He gets a hit. He breaks the record. Does that count? If he gets a hit, what difference does it make whether it goes seven or not? The, the question would be if he doesn't get a hit in a seven-inning game, does that break the streak? So then what would be the difference if that pitcher got that, that no-hitter because they're playing within the confines of the rules that Major League Baseball has set forth due to COVID? And Major League Baseball has also I mean, said that in order to be considered an official no-hitter, you have to pitch nine innings. There are guys who have pitched eight-inning no-hitters and lost that don't get considered as no-hitters. If you pitch five innings and the game gets rained out and you haven't given up any hits, is that considered a no-hitter? That's within the rules of the game. Yes, no, it is. Not. If you no, it's if, not. if it's in a if it's in a it's, yeah, but where I'm disagreeing is if, is is if it's an official game, started, ended, final score has an F in the in in the box score. Should be a no hitter. It's not it's not Bumgarner's fault that the, the game was only seven innings. It's not his fault. It's no fault of his of his. Why shouldn't he Why shouldn't he be able to claim having a no hitter because it didn't if go nine innings? Give, the game was only seven. That, Couldn't go nine innings. The game was only give seven. Pedro Martinez a perfect game. He pitched a nine inning perfect game, but the score was tied. Went into extra innings and he lost the perfect game in the tenth. Not final. It's not final. No, it's not final. It's not pitch nine innings and be perfect. I'm it's looking at the accomplishment. You pitched nine no hit innings. Not seven. Yeah, how many yeah, guys? Gr- how many guys throw seven no hit innings, lose it in the eighth? How many times Doesn't, a year does that happen? Final. The game's not over. That, that's the point. Is the game's not over? The game, the box score does not go final. Therefore, it's not a so no hitter. So if it's a five inning game and it gets rained out, then he gets credit for a no hitter. Yeah, the game's over. You didn't give up any hits in the game. That's a no hitter. That's not the same category. Not in the same category. It doesn't matter, but if it's the same category, the whole game has changed. The entire game has changed. Tavares. What was that, Chris? Are you typing? Are you typing? Did, you, did Julian Tavares, like years ago, did that happen to him when he was with the Sox? I thought he, he was in a game that got rained out against like either the A's or the Orioles. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, he did. Julian Tavares, uh, famous for punching the telephone. He, was a, he started a game? I thought he was a reliever. No, I think he came in as a starter, or he became a starter because their their rotation was so putrid, one or the other. But to, but but again, it's it, to me, it's not Bumgarner's fault that he couldn't go any further. Like that was the MLB's decision. It's it, and I love the seven inning doubleheaders. I think it's a fantastic idea that the MLB has come up with. I agree. And, and it's 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 not his fault. Like, and th- this is the this is the exact problem with baseball is they finally do something that improves the pace of play that improves the games that improves i mean not necessarily the pace of play but it allows you to get through a double header faster it allows for the games to be over faster you can move on with your day you can move on with your life and then something in like 
even at a major league setting, to go seven innings and not give up a hit to a major league ball club is still an incredible feat. And people are pissing on it because it was only seven innings. Like, are you I'm kidding me? I'm not pissing me? on it. I'm just saying you can't. No, you no, can't I'm not saying. I'm not saying you. Can't saying put you. It in the same category as a nine-inning no-hitter. To me, that's a greater accomplishment. Agreed, agreed. But it, it can be a greater accomplishment, but it's still an accomplishment to throw but a no-hitter. But if you're going to just say a list of pitchers who have thrown a no-hitter, if you're going to have a guy on that list who only threw a seven-inning no-hitter, if Nolan, if Nolan, should, I'm should, wonder how many times Nolan Ryan had seven no-hit innings going into the eighth. And lost it. He'd probably have 15 no-hitters in his career. wasn't final. It wasn't final. It's not a it no-hitter. It doesn't matter it whether final. it goes final or not. You've only thrown seven no-hit The game's not no over. Then... It should not be <sighs> held in the same esteem with a nine-inning no-hitter. In my opinion. But you can say, you can you can say it was a seven-inning game. Like, you That's can say I said that. That's what from the start. You but have, to, you have no to put hitter. it in a different category like you do with the single-season home run record. There's two different categories. You can, one you for can 154 involve. games, one for 162. When it pops up in a Giants game and says giant no-hitter history when some guy's in the eighth inning and hasn't given up a hit yet, and it pops up, you can have the whole list with a little asterisk, and at the bottom it says seven-inning game. I'm fine Still with a no-hitter. Put an asterisk next. Still Put a no-hitter. Category. Still counts as a no-hitter. Madison Bumgarner has a no-hitter on his, on his resume, in my opinion. no-hitter. It's I think amazing. he has a regular no-hitter on his resume, so, too. Even better. Give him two. I feel like Sting in the rafters, just looking down and listening. And I've bounced back and forth. Is that First, Sting I was all that was a no-hitter. And then thing. Uh, I'm going to go with both because the visual of Sting the singer in the rafters is too good to pass up. <laughs> just... <laughs> Especially because I could just sit there, you know. I can sing the song I'll Be Watching You from the rafters as I'm watching Madison Bumgarner's no-hitter. I wish I could play music and go back because I would totally add the song in right now. Yeah. As we were talking. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Where did you land? I think overall I land with you, Mike. The F is all that matters. The final is what matters. I, I have to agree. I mean, if, <laughs> if they're playing a seven inning game, because that's the rules that the league has put forth. If a player tosses a no, no, over those seven innings, if you want to do a separate category, fine, do a separate category. I, I mean, I just, I think that they, it should get, it should just get a little more recognition. It's actually, I feel like the response has been more negative towards it than anything. And if you actually look at the full totality of those two games, the Braves had one hit all day. They got one hit off of Zach Gallen, and that was it. So both Gallen and Bumgarner were absolutely nasty and shut down that offense. So, um, I, I just think that if you're gonna if you're gonna count the the wins and the loss, and if you're gonna count all the RBI and the hits and the batting average in the game over the course of seven innings, and I think you need to go ahead and you, you should call it what it is. He threw a no hitter. Side note: It was seven innings. If you want to do that, that's fine. But it still should be recognized in some capacity. That's all I'm saying, Bill. I will say one thing that backs up your. <laughs> your side of it uh fantasy baseball platforms pretty much across the board did not give madison bumgarner the bonus points that league set for no hitters yeah i didn't get it i have them in uh our league and i, I didn't i didn't right see yes yeah, so turns out i didn't need it that, i went yeah. two and zero. Oh, but hey hey did i play actually i played maddie this week so I don't know no, you I'm, no you didn't no you didn't no you didn't you might play me coming. this week 
Last week I did not. I played the the dominant team, League Control. Oh well, that that's also me, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, true, true. true. So, um, two two really quick thoughts about baseball. Really, really quick. One, give me Dodgers Padres no, every hundred percent phenomenal. Every Sunday night baseball game, get rid of Alex Rodriguez, but give me every weekend Dodgers Padres. Oh, my God. That game last night, I think, is the first time I have ever watched a baseball game from beginning to end that did not involve the Red Sox, probably in the last 10 years. It's, it's, uh, like, talk about, like, talk about, you know, how, how you're sick of watching the Bruins play the same teams over and over. I could watch those two teams play baseball every day. I can't wait for the like. I want that to be the NLCS matchup. Oh, like it just. I just I can't wait for those that series in August, that series in September. Oh my god, I can't wait! I can't wait. I will say one thing that brings it back to Boston sports. If you don't think Alex Verdugo's watching that game last night and is saying to himself, "If I play Sunday night baseball against the Yankees, I'm pimping one," you're crazy because I, I, the, I these teams are definitely taking notice that. This rivalry, this showboating, this actual, you know, like Michael Jordan said in the documentary that came out last year, bring hatred back at sports. I think these teams are going to take notice. And, yes, I would definitely prefer the Padres and Dodgers rivalry because that right now that's you're talking about the two best teams in all of baseball. It's fantastic to watch. They, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the other rivalries also. When they also. do play each other again, they've got to get those games into prime time on the East Coast because they baseball has to market that rivalry right now. It's so good yes. for the sport. Oh, Don't play those games. Tatis. At they have to market Tatis. Night, please. They need the next time Trevor Bauer plays against uh, the San Diego Padres, they need to change the schedule, do whatever they have to do to make sure that game is seen by literally everyone. I mean, the NFL would do that. They would flex out a game. Absolutely, great point. Major League Baseball 100% needs to do that. And and Major League Baseball, I wouldn't be surprised like if behind the scenes they're saying to both like Boston, New York, hey, look. Can you do something on the field? Can you give us some, some some theatrics? Because the Dodgers and San Diego, they're doing it. Just imagine if the Sox – imagine the Sox are in first place. The Yankees are in last place when they meet next month still. And Verdugo literally pimps a home run with the energy and the enthusiasm that he plays with. And then – I mean who knows? Aaron Judge goes and you know he hits a home run and lands on the IL. But like – Still, the fact that like <laughs> the fact that you could have something with these teams again, baseball needs that. Baseball needs that more than ever. I'm you know, and a good example too would be is Wednesday night when when the Sox are going to take on the best pitcher right now in all of baseball. Like I'm looking forward to that matchup. I'm looking forward to what adjustments like what JD Martinez is going to be like against Degrom. You know that game should be something as well that the that the league should go ahead and and, and get eyeballs in front of. You get Degrom going against the Red Sox, a team that he almost got traded to years ago, but luckily a minor league scout said to Sandy Alderson, "Don't trade this guy for Kelly Shop." Like, don't luckily, luckily for who? For the Mets, because the Red Sox, like, imagine him in that rotation right now. You don't have to worry about Garrett Richards anymore. Yeah, one that one. was colder water thrown on me than than Mike earlier with the Celtics, <laughs> because I, I just thinking about the Grom in a Sox uniform is, wow. We want to talk about some, yeah, Matt's some gonna steamy need to go content. A, Matt's gonna need to go get a snack now too. Um, 
that's that's the positive side of the MLB. The negative side of the MLB is the Red Sox game that got snowed out, rain slash snowed out, and the game that they played against the Twins in a legitimate like that I mean, wasn't a legitimate snowstorm, but in legitimate snowfall. That's why? Like that, that's my only question is why? Why are you having the Red Sox and Twins play? When Nicole got the game, they could have got two outs for Savannah. She got two outs. I don't know where I heard it. I heard it somewhere. Maybe it was maybe it was Felger Mass because they're cynical at times. Um, <laughs> where they were basically saying like you had like the Yankees, the Red Sox, like all of the East Coast is pretty much hosting. You yeah, know what is... where it could have been, they could have like flip-flop that just a smidge you know what i mean so that's normally well, what they do normally the red sox don't start at home they start they start yeah. in tampa they start i think this had to do a little Texas. bit more with that covid scheduling keeping regions uh you know next to each other for the most part i will say that if if it was it was hunter renfro with the home run in the snow right yeah if that's not a baseball card by the end of this by the end of the year that is a huge missed opportunity because that is probably an amazing photo of the point of contact with the snow coming down on the home run ball. But let's talk Patriots. Ooh. From snow right to the winter, Patriots. Yeah, <laughs> right into the Patriots. It's draft week after all. Um, and please, one thing about the Patriots. I cannot take any more quarterback talk. I cannot wait for this draft to be over. They Something better come to fruition here in the draft, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or they draft a quarterback or whatever it is. I just can not take quarterback talk anymore. 14 months, turn on the radio. What are they talking about? All right, so what I'll, what I'll do situation. is uh, my notes was we were going to break down some of the, the quarterback options for the Patriots in the draft. I'll go ahead and just rip that up yeah. then. No, but, but here's we the got thing. to. We got here's to. the thing. We can do that. We can do that for the next five minutes, whatever it might be. But let's not talk about it for the next five years, please. No, I don't. I don't have that as a note. Please. Listen, the, I will say one thing about you know. I would. I think it's safe to say that in terms of the Boston sports market, Felger and Maz are typically the tastemakers in terms of the vibe of the city and the talk of of sports. Today, they were bashing Franchi Cordero coming in too early on a, on a fly ball for two segments, which tells me baseball's back in Boston, baby. And then the other 40 segments of the show, they talked about the quarterback situation. Yes, which is listen, and which you is, listen to yes. the daytime show, and all one of those hosts can talk about is football, and that's no, it. it the, Boston has become a football-heavy market in terms of its content on the radio, no question. It's the worst team. The Patriots are now the worst team in the city, and yet that's all that anybody talks about. No, the mm-hmm. Celtics. The Celtics are the worst. No, not true. Not true. The Celtics are going to make the playoffs. The Patriots didn't make the playoffs this year. They're the Fair. worst team in the city right now. Well, They're that's fair, but have with the off season this team just had, you know, I think no, they understood, understood, understood. But you're, but but also in, in the same token that with the Red Sox signed a bunch of free agents, which they did, and guess what happened? Hey, the Red Sox signed uh, Hunter Renfro. Hey, the Red Sox signed so and so. But Tom Brady threw the Lombardi Trophy. Well, the equivalent, the, the equivalent of the free agents that Bill Belichick signed for the Patriots fails in compare. Like, the Red Sox added Hunter Renfro. Like, who would be the Patriots' Hunter Renfro? David Godchu, whatever his name is, the defensive tackle they got from the Dolphins? Definitely. Like, that's, that's probably the comparison. Agreed. Bill Belichick stole the show when it came to coming into – he went into free agency and just lit it on fire. 
which makes me believe that this dude is an absolute wild card for Thursday night for this draft. Everybody keeps saying, like, hey, you know, they're going to trade down for a quarterback. If they do, I'm not going to be surprised. If they stay at 15 and they select a defensive player, I'm not going to be surprised. Like, there's literally nothing that Belichick could do other than just completely trade the first-round pick and just maybe acquire future picks and just trade out of the first round. But I don't think there's much he can do to even surprise me because he was just so unpredictable this this past off season. It really makes what they're going to do this Thursday and then even, you know, obviously Friday and Saturday. I don't want to call it special, but really, really interesting. It, it is going to be – this is probably the most interesting draft that Bill Belichick will have in his entire tenure as head coach of this football team. I- I definitely think that's a fair and accurate statement right there. I would be shocked if they traded up to draft a quarterback. I really would. You're not going to get. You're See, not gonna I, get, I think they. I'm with Chris. I think they do it. I just, I just don't believe in these well, guys. Here's the are, thing. These guys are getting hyped so much to the nth degree. I don't see how maybe the top two can make it in the league. The other ones, I think, it's just too overvalued to. And the money that you're going to have to pay them if you draft them that high, I just don't see any value in that, and I don't see Belichick biting on something like that. I, I'm seeing him thinking I can get a Kellen Mon or or Trask or somebody like that in the second round that's going to be almost as good as these other guys. I'm going to pick a position of need in the first round if he stays at 15. And if he trades up, I think it's going to be to get an, a, another defensive player that he wants to get that he doesn't think will slip to 15. But for him to trade up and take a quarterback, I cannot see that happening at all. So I – yeah, so here's the thing. I just – let me clarify. I I don't think that they're going to trade up to get the quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Do I want them to? I'm super torn on that, and, and this is why. They need a quarterback for the future. I am not 100% convinced that Cam Newton is going to be able to – Take this team. They were they were what seven and nine this past year. Now you're going to add in the 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 extra game this year against Dallas. Do they win ten games? Do they go ten and seven with Cam Newton with a better core around him? Is that good enough? No, it's not. But I kind of look at it from the perspective of you have all these teams. They're they're jumping up. Lawrence is is going to go one. You're going to Jones is going to come off the board. Um, Lance is going to come off the board. Like all these dudes are going to come off the board. Why is Justin's? Why is why is Fields falling? Like what's what? Why is he? Why is he falling down the draft board? So if you can get him, is he truly the future quarterback of the Patriots, or do you go ahead and get like Bill wrote about Micah Parsons and legitimately get the captain of your defense for the next eight to ten years, or do you get Patrick Sertain and and he replaces? In a secondary that's getting older. I mean, there's no two ways around. The secondary is getting older. So there, you know, there are legitimate options that he can go on the defensive side that probably make more sense. And not to go ahead and, and kind of pump the tie, you know, and talk a little more about Felger and Mads, but they threw something out there today that I thought was interesting: is do they go out, draft a receiver, and then take the second round pick and go get Jimmy G, which to me isn't a bad option either. I don't know how much this team truly believes in, in Justin Fields. There's something like, why is this kid falling? That's my question. So by the time the listeners are hearing this very show, uh, my final mock draft will be on the website, so check that out. And in that mock draft, I do have the Patriots trading up. 
And I do believe that they will trade up. And here's why. And it's for two reasons. One, the price. Two, the narrative. Let me talk about the price. I believe that Mac Jones is going three to the San Francisco 49ers because I think he fits the Kyle Shanahan mold. Rumors have been swirling for years that Shanahan was hot for Kirk Cousins. Mac Jones feels like a Kirk Cousins type, and I think that's a, a match that's going to happen. So and then after quarterbacks, would you say? I said Shanahan likes loser quarterbacks because that's exactly what Kirk Cousins is. <laughs> he is a loser quarterback. Carry on. I'm sorry. I don't want to see it. Well, no. I mean, I, I mean, actually, I, if you're going to talk about losers, Mac Jones is not a loser. The guy well, lit no, the world on fire, won a national championship. He's the opposite of a loser. Regardless if he's got a pot belly, as a man with a pot belly, I'm not going to criticize a man with a pot belly. First off, nothing wrong with a dad bod. That's nothing what I'm saying. Nothing wrong with a dad bod. But no, let, let's get back to it, though. I'm just thinking, if Mac Jones goes three, which I expect he will, that leaves two quarterbacks for two teams, which is the Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots. Even if, in, which I do have in my mock draft, I do have the Broncos trading up to four and taking Trey Lance because I think Trey Lance fits that high ceiling type that Bill, that that, that Don, uh, John Elway is is, is going to be enticed by, given the skills players and that team. At that point, the Patriots are in the driver's seat to move up because there aren't as a needy team uh, as them. I mean, you could talk about the Washington football team, sure. You could talk about Chicago Bears, sure. But they're, they don't have as much firepower to move up as the Patriots do. And the prime spot for them to move up is the Cowboys at 10. They could take the 15th pick and maybe Stephen Gilmore move on up to 10. They could take the 15th pick and the first-round pick next year, move up to 10. A five-spot jump is within the price range of Bill Belichick. All right, so I got and, I got hold on, let me, let me keep going. Let me keep going, and then you can ask. You can, and, and I think Justin Fields, Justin Fields, if you are a fantasy football player or if you just follow college football in general, uh, throughout the entire process up until a month ago, Justin Fields was the consensus, not the speculative, the consensus number two quarterback in this draft expected to go two overall. Now, based on maybe his epilepsy uh, admitted, he admitted he had epilepsy, maybe that's it. I don't know what it is, but something, maybe it's just the NFL draft machine in terms of the content as a whole has pushed him out, which brings me to my second point, narrative. Bill Belichick is not going to admit to the fantasy – I mean, I'm sorry, to the football world that he needs a quarterback to win. But if he goes up and gets the guy who's the outcast, the number five of five quarterback, the narrative on him being a savior, it goes down. It dims down, which allows him to then – play it safe with Cam Newton, and the Cam Newton-Justin Fields mentorship is almost a no-brainer. And those two things combined is why I think they will move up to 10 and draft Justin Fields. Now, if if Justin Fields go three overall to the, to the 49ers, obviously that goes out the window, but that's not the reports that we're hearing. We're hearing is between Lance and Jones. I think they're going to go Jones, which leaves the Patriots to take either or if the Broncos don't get involved. But even if they do get involved – Justin Fields is going to be there, and they're going to get a chance to go for him. And I just think that's too – he's too supremely talented to pass up. Wow. Okay, so here's my question. All right. I'm going to – statement and then question, actually. So here's the deal. The Dallas Cowboys are probably the only team that are stupid enough to go ahead and trade out a 10 – and take on Stefan Gilmore. What there is no value in Stefan Gilmore. I don't understand. There is value. He's a nasty player, and they are looking to win. 
They're on, they only have the 10th pick because Dak Prescott's ankle ran away from him. Well, if yes. that doesn't happen, they're in the playoffs. They don't have that pick. They're so looking Dallas, to compete. Dallas doesn't have any – they have no cornerbacks at the moment. They, they are in desperate need of that. So I can see the fit for the Dallas Cowboys. I can see Jerry Jones looking at the shiny toy known as Stephon Gilmore and be like, ooh, I need to have that and think that this is a Stephon Gilmore who was in his, you know, the early stages of being with the New England Patriots. This Gilmore is now on the on the other side of 30, who is going into the final year of his contract, who he can, he can theoretically get for nothing after this year. I don't see him having value to add in with that number 15 pick. If you're going to move up, it's going to be picks. It's going to be significant picks. I don't necessarily think it's going to take two ones, the Niners kind of set that market to get, you know, Jones, whatever. But it's probably going to take at least a one and a two and maybe something else. You're probably going to get the Belichick throwing a, a six to us and all this other nonsense. I just – I don't see a team going and, and taking on Gilmore um, as, well, no, it, it, as capital it, 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 to move up in the draft. I don't I just got, I also – I also think that the, the, why I feel so confident in this possibility – is if the the Cowboys take pick 15 and then additional picks oppose uh, from Stephen Gilmore, they if you if you look at the tea leaves, the top cornerback in this draft will be available around pick 15. Regarding, uh, I mean, asterisk being if people move up in the if teams move up in the draft, so if they can get their pick from Pat Sertan or, or or J C Horn at 15, why not move back, get picks, and then move forward that way. So I think the Cowboys are in the driver's seat. I don't think that there's dumb in taking Stephen Gilmore. If that's what they, they decide they want, I think that's one avenue, but I don't think that's the only avenue to for the Patriots to move up. I don't see, but I, I don't see Sertan getting to 15. I, I just, I don't, I... Well, then let me ask you, where do you see him going then? I, I, I think he goes in the top eight. You can't just say top eight. Tell me who. If the cow, if the... Because I did the watch draft today, I don't see him if going top eight. If the Cowboys need a cornerback, why would they take Stephon Gilmore, who's 31 years old and in the last year of his contract, when they can draft one of the top three that'll probably be there when they pick at 10? That's what the, Bill. That's my that's my secondary point is that they could trade back to 15, get one of the top two cornerbacks if they don't want Gilmore. So let's say the Patriots move this year's 15th overall pick and next year's second to move up five spots. Dallas is in the driver's seat whether they want the veteran or they want the rookie. I don't think that there will be a cornerback drafted. Uh, like I said, unless somebody trades up to get in front of the Cowboys, uh, I think they'll be there at 15. I don't I don't val I don't think the Patriots draft picks are as valued as you do in that because if they end up say they end up making the playoffs, now you're picking later in the first round or later in the second round. I don't see that has the cachet as as some other I know, but the same thing could be said for the 49ers. The 49ers are not a young uh, a, a decrepit team. They are looking to compete especially if they get a QB that's ready to go. So it's not necessarily the Patriot I I'm over inflating the Patriots pick value. I just think that ha moving up 5 spots is within the price range that Bill Belichick will be willing to pay to get a talent like Justin Fields. I think to answer your question, I think Carolina is very much in play for either one of those cornerbacks, either J.C. Horn or even Patrick Sertain. If I'm honestly, though, if I'm Dallas, and again, objectively speaking, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, and I know that one of my biggest needs in the roster is to get a young cornerback, 
I'm going to draft Patrick Sertain. I don't really care about the other capital. But again, I guess it kind of depends on how the draft falls. I mean, and I also think J.C. Horn's better than Pat Sertain. So if they could trade back to 15 and get the number one cornerback in the class, which is J.C. Horn, in my opinion, why not take that take that approach? Yeah, could the Carolina Panthers take a cornerback at eight? Sure. I think they have more glaring needs that that will be there with players available. And they've also talked about trading back. So maybe the Patriots can move up to eight. I, I think that there's a clear path to them move up to 10. I've seen a lot of rumblings uh, online uh, over the last couple of weeks that that could be a, a match. Patriots and Cowboys and I think it just the when the writing becomes too when the planets align that's when Bill Belichick will make a move that you weren't expecting. Dallas is also notorious for okay. su- making some stupid picks. So if like a, a Jalen Water or a Devontae Smith is still there when they're picking, they'll probably take the sexy pick and go for that and pass over the need at cornerback. They, I, yeah, they just normally I would say is, that's true, but they are so loaded at that position, there's no way. Now, now if Kyle Pitts fell down to 10, there's no way they're moving. They're, they're going to take Pitts, but I don't see Pitts getting to 10. Okay, refocus. We're talking about the Cowboys, the Panthers. We're, we're here to talk about the Patriots. And what I really want to know is – is my well my question in all of this is if if the 49ers are drafting a quarterback at three that ultimately means that they feel that guy is going to be ready if not this year very soon so in that if that's the case what i would like the patriots to do is to make a legitimate run at jimmy g to get him here and take i would say the best player available whether it's a wide receiver whether it's a defender whoever it is it stay at 15 make your pick the only thing I think is, please, for the love of God, this is the first time you've been in the, quote, lottery draft for the last 15 years, 20 years. Please do not trade out of it. Please take – please make a pick there. Please do something there and get a player of value who can come in and be an impact player tomorrow. You know, it or I guess Friday, a guy on your roster who is going to be an impact type player. And I, I would like – I still think in it, out of those five quarterbacks, including Fields, I think that – I mean, with the exception of Lawrence, I think that Jimmy G is, is the guy that I think the Patriots should target because it's clear the 49ers and Shanahan's given up on him by, by giving up future assets to get to number three to take a quarterback. And why it's Mac Jones, I don't know. That's neither here nor there. But that, that, makes, that makes the quarterback – their current quarterback available. Whether it's this year, next year, that's not their quarterback of the future. So you you make a make an offer to them for him and take a need at 15 and have and get yourself an impact player on either side of the ball. You have needs on both sides, so it doesn't really matter to me. And don't be surprised if a trade doesn't happen on draft night for Jimmy G. I'm not saying I'm not saying trade for Jimmy G. On no, I'm saying don't I'm be saying. surprised I'm if saying, a trade happens. Maybe not the Patriots trading for him, but don't be surprised if a trade happens that night. Yeah, I almost think that they would get. I don't know. That that that, that that's tough. I I would like the Patriots to do it before draft night because then you know, and then you can you can you fill a need there at fifteen. And the only thing I think I think the worst case scenario for me personally would be is if they trade out of that fifteen pick. And 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 I'm praying that they don't do that. I'm praying, 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 praying that they don't draft that they don't they don't. Can we, trade can we talk about getting Jimmy? I don't get the fascination yeah. with wanting to get this guy back. He can't. He's Bill, I'm with you, man. Old, I am right there with you. On the field. Why are we? Why is he, everybody? They, they decided to run a high school offense to take the ball out of his hands in their championship run. I don't get the fascination with Jimmy G. Why? Because he played here. Well, 
Yes, because he played here and because he was hand selected by Bill and the whole narrative is that is that he was Bill was forced to trade him out of the city so or forced to trade him out of here. So let's see what Bill can do with the guy that he handpicked and groomed and then Tom Brady screwed everything up. Like I I want to see that from a from a podcasting perspective, from a blogging perspective. That that's that's what I want to see is I wanna see the guy that was handpicked by Belichick in the second round to 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 come back here and, and see what he can do. And then I'd rather see that I think than 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 have them trade up and waste future assets to trade up to get a a guy who's falling on a lot of draft boards. I I I don't I liked what I saw from Justin Fields, but I don't love the idea of Justin Fields. Like I'm not you know like it, I think that there's I think that the wide receiver from from Alabama would be a better pick. Which one? And it's a uh, the one who won the Heisman Smith Devontae Smith. Devontae Is that Smith. right? I, I think either scenario that you that you say whether they trade for Garoppolo or they uh, draft Fields, you're going to have Newton as your quarterback probably at least half of the games next year. Either either he's your quarterback while they're not if you get Fields. Garoppolo. Let me finish. Or he's backing up Garoppolo and Garoppolo is going to get hurt and miss a ton of games and Newton's going to be your quarterback. Okay, I mean you can't you can't. You can't argue the fact that the guy can't stay on the field. I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but I, but I, I don't know. I, I think I would like to see what he has with with Belichick, and I think, I think that's a legitimate. I think you saw something here when he was on the field, and I don't know would if that's a, up a number one part of the talent that if was. That's it. the asking price. No, no, no. Would you give up a second round pick for him? That, Actually, that's you know what? what? You traded Truthfully, him for was a second round pick. But that's what I'm saying. Well, let's just say, let's say it's pick 46. That's the pick they have in the second round, right? 46? Would you give up this year's draft? No. Next year's draft, yes. And I only say that because to me, you know what? I might even, honestly, I might even consider giving up next year's first. And the only reason I say that is because you look at the end of the first round draft picks that they've had and the Sony, was it Sony Michelle, Isaiah Wynn? I'd probably make those deals for Jimmy Garoppolo, considering the player. Yeah, I mean, next year's first would make sense because he would, you know, it's at the end. you he would trade out of the latter end of the first. It should be. It should be. I mean, you almost can fall out of bed and 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 win at least four games in your division. And you, we, I've been over this. The the Patriots' schedule next season is not nearly as difficult as it's been in the past because they weren't in that they weren't that number one seed. They don't have to play all the other the division's top teams. We've been. I went over this. I think the last podcast. Look with Cam Newton or Jimmy G, whoever is gonna, whoever is the quarterback of this of this football team. They need to make the playoffs. I mean, anything other – if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be a really hard sell for everything that they just – that they've done this offseason. All those players they brought in, all that money that was spent to get nothing from that, Jimmy G theoretically gives them – should give them the, the, the better opportunity to be more successful than Cam Newman, theoretically. Now, I understand there is question marks. I mean, how many games did he play last year? Was it six? You know, he struggled to be healthy during his time in San Francisco. He had the year that he blew his, his ACL out. You know, so he's had he's had that injury history that's out there. But they're just there's something about where I think Belichick just wants to go ahead and prove and say, I had the guy all along. I had to trade him. Now I got him back. Let me show you exactly what I was thinking about. Now, granted, he is older than when they had him. But just remember that four-game like little glimpse that we got, or three and a half because he actually got hurt? Two, two and a half. But that little 
that little glimpse of that we got to see when Brady was suspended, like people were giddy about Jimmy G. And I think that's why people are so in love with the thought of him coming back. And honestly, they put themselves in this position. They've put themselves in this position to where Jimmy G is really the only theoretical option if they don't draft a quarterback in the first round or even second round. And if you draft a quarterback in the second round, they're not starting this year. They're going to be under the wing in the tutelage of Newton and those coaches. So it's it's either you draft up and you, you get lucky and you get fields or it's Newton or Jimmy G or it literally is bust. And I'm not going to go and say that Bill Belichick is on the hot seat. I'm not going to do that because I think that he's earned the right to try to build the roster the way he sees fit. It's going to be a really hard sell to not go into next season with a plan for the future at quarterback. Like it's just, it's unacceptable for this team and what they've done. You know what, you know what drives me insane about this part of the, about this part of the, the off season and, and this particular, I mean, especially this, this market is everybody's need to be the first, everybody's need to, to have the headline, everybody's need to, to be the one that's right. And you just see all of the crazy scenarios and people with these, these accusations like, Oh, I'm hearing Belichick's going to trade out. Oh, I'm hearing Belichick's going to trade up. Oh, and nobody knows what's going on except for Belichick. And it's just like, it just, it gets so crazy. And, and, it, it, it like and and that's that's where we are is like you know I've heard anything from the Patriots trading up to four to the Patriots not drafting at all this 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 draft and it's like what, what why like why is there why is there a need to do this like can we just get legitimate you know quote sources or legitimate news and can we just can we let things happen and not try and speculate from every angle like oh Julio Jones was was rumored to be to having calls on him oh let's trade four and Julio Jones the Patriots will get him for Gilmore and and uh, and fifteen it's like what what are we doing here like th- this is the kind of stuff that drives me insane it's like let's it's almost like it's almost more enjoyable to kind of sit back see what happens and react to it then rather than try and just be you know the person who was right in particular. and even if they are hearing Belichick is saying that. Do you trust Belichick, or is he putting up a smoke screen so he can make another deal or try to lead another team astray, thinking the Patriots are going to move up to draft a quarterback, and then they drop back and do something entirely different? We're going to do what's best for our football team. <laughs> it's a pretty good impression. Bill, why did you draft that player team. from Montana Mining and Technology? Well, it's a, it's a special team that plays all, all three, uh, all three faces of the game. It's just really whatever is best for our uh, football team. <laughs> I need you to write <laughs> down the minutes that you that you did that because I'm going to try to rip that and make it. This <laughs> can you take a note of it so we can so we can go back and track it? <laughs> we need to. Yes, we need to. Uh, but anyway, it, I mean, I. Again, I don't want to talk about the quarterback situation at nauseum, and we we did it. I mean, everybody's guilty of it, and that's what we so have let's, to do. Let's let's move on from the quarterback situation. Let's well, no, I, I mean, I I, I I want I want to just ask everybody, what do you want them to do? That's that's what I want to know. So, Bill, I'll start with you. Actually, I'm gonna start with me, and I've already said it. I want them to take an impact player at 15. I want I don't I don't want them to trade back. I don't even really want them to trade up. I want them to make their football team better with the player that they have in the first time that they've been in this lottery quote lottery in in 20 years so that, that's what i would like them to do bill i wanted to get younger and more athletic at linebacker the, at yes. 15 is that uh, yes okay 
All right. So we're on the same page for once. Maddie. I want them to trade up and get Justin Fields. It's it's not every year that, in my opinion, the second-best quarterback falls for unknown reasons, and I think this is a year you take advantage of that. Chris. I'm going to give you what I want them to do, and I'm going to give you – All I want is want. I don't, want to know. I don't care what you All think right, so they're going to do. Tell me what you want. want but this is what I want them to do. I want them to draft a player that's going to make this team better – Justin Fields will make this team better for the future. It they they need to draft Justin Fields. Do you have to trade up to draft Justin Fields? I think you do. Yeah, I think somebody if if he starts creeping into the early teens, a team like the the Washington Football Team, a team like the Bears will jump up. That's why the the Patriots being at fifteen, they can jump up to to, to ten or eight, and that's where you get your head and you just. I, Put the nail down. I think eight makes sense. I think you have to think about the other. I think that's what I think that's what Patriot fans are not doing. They're not thinking about the other teams who need quarterbacks who can go ahead and just jump up there. I think they just they're looking at it with with blinders on and just assume, oh, we can get up into the top ten and we're going to go and it, look. You just said it. The Washington Football Team needs a quarterback. The Chicago Bears need a quarterback. I mean, they've been saying that for. What happened years. to the quarterback um, carousel that was supposed to happen this year? It was like 20-plus quarterbacks could be on the move. We saw a few of them, but there's still – A good amount changed teams, I you would had say. Four, but there's you also had some like – some... Four changed teams. And now you've got – I mean, the Saints still well, need a quarterback after Drew Brees retired. Well, well, they, the, they have two. Roll with Hill. This, that's technically a quarterback change there because it's no longer Drew Brees. You also have Mariota who re-signed who I, or restructured, who I don't think was expected. Alex Smith retired, which I don't think was expected. And there's one more I'm missing, another backup that – oh, Jimmy Garoppolo Fitzpatrick, they thought was going to move. Fitzpatrick went to the, the Redskins. Oh, I mean, um, apologies. The, the uh, football Washington You're football suspended team. from the next Dalton, podcast. Dalton, <laughs> Dalton went to the uh, – Dalton went to the Bears. I, you know what teams are doing now, which is what teams should have been doing for a long time, and it just it finally feels like it's caught on. Is it you need like it doesn't matter who your quarterback, you, you need two good quarterbacks. Anything you know, if, if if your franchise quarterback goes down and you have some you know Joe Schmo on the bench and expect him to go and you know pick up the playbook and, and lead you to victory. Those are few and far between. It's like those Tom Brady stories are, few, are very few and far between in football. Kurt Warner bagging groceries and all of a sudden now he's, you know, uh, an all pro now hall of fame quarterback. Like that doesn't happen all of the time. Teams are now realizing that I need to invest and I need more than one quarterback. And I, that's what a lot of teams have done. I mean, a, a ton of teams have a ton of options whether they're good or not, it, it, it's it. They're suitable enough to keep them to, to keep them to be competitive. And right now, the Patriots. What's really concerning is that Newton was in the bottom half of quarterback play all of last year, and all he can do is go up. But you really don't have a viable backup because we just have not been able to see what Jarrett Stidham is. And until he gets to to play, which he may never get to play, he is a non-factor in the quarterback conversation. No more quarterback talk. Is there anything else we could talk about with the Patriots other than quarterbacks? Anybody? 
Anybody? I still think they need to get younger. Sure. I mean, we, more we can get linebacker. You've got Kyle Van Noy, who's I mean, it's, it's, back right, in. Exactly. You've got um, Hightower coming back. These guys are all a year older and slower. And you've got nobody in the well, middle I mean, that's, to that's, fill that void. That's the other thing that I feel Patriots fans are getting blinders on is, yes, they made a bunch of offseason acquisitions. Yes, they signed a bunch of free agents. Yes, they got better. And everybody, I mean, obviously the quarterback is a glaring, I don't, wanna, I don't know if it's a hole or, or what, what the right term is, but it's a glaring need on this team. But I feel like they have need, They have a lot of needs in other positions too. They still have need at wide receiver. They have. I feel like I feel like they have a, they have a linebacker need. They they have a secondary need. I would think so. The secondary is old well, too. Well, they've got some young players so, in the I secondary, mean, but um, uh, who's the safety? Who's Gilmore? Who's the, the twins. McCourty. The twins. He's you know McCourty. He's You know he's he's getting ancient. Right. Dinosaur. I mean, you had uh, Chung retire, so you know you probably have Duggar who will take the step up next year in his second year, but. You do, and they just signed Jalen Mills this offseason. He's 27 yeah, so years old. So I don't old. think secondary is as glaring a need yeah. as linebacker and wide receiver. So it's bas- it's basically leadership leadership players on both sides of the ball, quarterback, linebacker. Yeah, the guy the guys with the green guys who wear the mic. That, yeah, yeah, that's really the. That's, and that's, Parsons that's, would be that guy. Parsons would be that guy for the next eight to ten years with the green dot on his helmet. And, and that, that, that's my point is that is, is that's what I would like to send. I don't want them to overextend and, and, you know, trade up and do something stupid. I don't want them to trade out cause that's annoying. Just, you know, get, get a, get a good impact player and help your team. Now you have multiple needs and, you know, I, I, again, I don't care if it's a wide receiver, quarterback, whatever, just, just make your team better. And that's, you know, do whatever's best for the team. A player like that should be there because if, if five quarterbacks are going to go in the top 15 and you're going to have your offensive lineman in a, and an edge rusher, and Kyle Pitts, and Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith. If all those guys are going to go top 15, one of those defensive players should slip to you. One of those receivers should slip to you, too. Like, the, the, Something is going to slip to you at 15. You don't have to do anything but sit on your hands and wait. And and you should get a legitimate player at 15. And I, that's what I would like to see them do, honestly. Devontae Smith scares me a little bit just because of his size. He's a small guy. I don't – listen, listen. This, the size thing, like, how many times have we seen undersized guys excel here specifically? You know, there's a difference. There's a difference between under. There's a, there's a difference between being undersized and being, being. He's he looks almost yeah. frail. So yeah. that's a different. Well, that's, that's a different that's argument. Going with it. But I mean, what is he? 170 yeah, that's pounds. That's a different argument. Yeah, but that dude can run. Yeah, like, he's, so can he's a lot quick. of other dudes he's, he's athletic. in the NFL. This is the NFL. The yeah. SEC is a great league. It's the top league in college football. Still not the NFL. Yeah, when you're getting co- when you're getting comps to Marvin Harrison, I, you're you're doing something right. You're doing something right. And in my but but again, the undersized guy achieves here. The slot guy, the slot guy is huge here. The slot guy's you getting saw it, you've seen it here. Yeah, but you've, right, you've seen it time and time again. But right now they don't have a quarterback to throw him the football. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. That's a, that's a good point. And they did go out and get Nelson right Aguilar and made a couple of other signings of wide receivers in free agency. So. And I, and, and, and with Aguilar, too, though, you can move him. On, he can be on the outside, speed. Um, he, he can go on the inside. Like, he's got versatility. He's got a ton of versatility, which is why he's here. Yep, yep. So, are we good with Patriots for this for this go-around? I'm going to give you a hot take. Okay. Because, you know, if you're – obviously, people, if you're listening, clearly you are, but 
if you're from the area, you've, you've watched like Felgram Maz, they get their big board and they're throwing footballs and markers. I have one guy, I have an article that will be coming out tomorrow that I legitimately think is a sleeper that the Patriots should go after. I don't expect the three of you guys to know who he is, but I'm going to throw it out there and maybe hopefully we got a little, we might have hit one on here, but I think Tay Gowan from UFC is a 100% sleeper. UFC? Wrestler? From England. U- UFC? U- Sorry, dyslexic moment. UCF. What position? Yeah. He's a defensive back. There is like zero tape on him. Mm-hmm. He opted out of last year, the COVID year, because his daughter was sick and there was health concerns. Oh, I have heard of this guy. I do and remember this. Right now, a few different areas, they, they, they kind of slot him anywhere between that four to maybe fifth, potentially sixth round. It just, to me, feels like reading on him, and, I, and I, I read a ton of stuff on this dude, all different websites from, you know, you name it, and it just, it, while the Patriots in all these articles are not linked to him, it just feels like the kind of guy that Belichick could bring in here. Not a lot of tape. Belichick going and saying, I know better than you. And, I mean, he did that with, with Duggar, or Duggar, however you want to pronounce his name. He went in, he's done that with that player. You know, he's six foot one. He's like 180, 185 pounds. Um, ton, a ton, a ton of upside. You could just hide him in the secondary, have him develop and learn within the program and the system, and he could be a year away. Did they potentially find a future Malcolm Butler? And that's who they take at 15. No, they don't take him to 15. <laughs> Not at all. I I think more in that fifth round area. That's kind of he's more of a third. He looks like he's going to be more of a third um, day selection. So that'll be our flagship prediction. Big prediction. Tweet, tweet it out so it's tweet it out so it's in writing. I'll tweet it after the article comes out tomorrow. Done. Consider it done. Any uh any, any closing thoughts from uh, from anybody across the panel, Bill? Negative. Maddie, listen, Bill, don't get too cute. Justin Fields slips. Go get him. Supremely talented. Get him. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I thought you were talking to our Bill. I, I was I like, where is he going with this? <laughs> <laughs> Bill, on the next Red Sox podcast to be named later, just let's go 16 hours. Don't, let's do a marathon pod. Don't get cute, all right? Enough getting cute. Just have a have a closing thought. Jeez. Bill, you're so cute. You're I mean, already what? suspended for three podcasts, Matt. Don't make me make it five. <laughs> it's like it's like when I was a kid. You wanna be you wanna stay after class today? Yeah. Do two. Do it again. Three. You stink. Five. Stop. Chris Chris, any closing thoughts? I honestly do not know how I could even pass – how I can even like – Yeah, Bill, stop being cute. Yeah, stop being cute. Um, no, I'm just – You're I, too look, cute, Bill. You know what? I just want to thought that like – you know, I I was wondering how a four-man podcast was going to go. I don't think it went that bad for the first flagship. So I'm excited to get the, the call to the big show here. The the, the the goal is to not be two hours, but um, you know there's a, there's a lot of stuff to get to, and it's the first time. So <laughs> we do two hours on just the Red Sox. And, How could you expect to get the three of us together on here with you and not go two hours talking about all four teams? 
Listen, especially you when you started breaking off questions about the Bruins, you must have known you were in for a yeah. long night. When I, when I looked down, it was an hour and fifteen. We hadn't even talked about the Sox or Patriots yet. I was like, oh, I lost. <laughs> well, I like, failed. Figure, figure the Bruins go early. He had literally was not expecting any sort of like no I, any normally whatsoever. Normally, when we talk Bruins, it's like ten minutes. I can just give you a recap of what I thought from the last week, and then we move on. Celtics too, so eh, whatever. It's good though. That that's that's the point, I guess. But you know, we'll meet we'll meet more frequently than once every six weeks, and we'll we'll uh, you know there'll be less less to talk about, so we can expand on some other things and and uh, you know keep a keep it a healthy discussion. Spoiler alert: We'll probably be doing more Red Sox podcasts to be named later than uh, the usual rotation, especially during the season. So we'll get a lot more in depth into those discussions. Yeah, we have to um, we have to get a show out there because I don't think we've done one since the season has begun, and I think it's time for us to uh, start putting some other podcasts that's out there on notice and let them know that there is more than one Red Sox podcast that's out there that can actually talk some socks and can do it at a uh, high level. Love it. Not to anybody in particular, but. I'm sure there'll be a few that'll listen, and I just want to kind of fire that little shot. Love but it. also everyone in particular. Yeah, it's not directed at anyone, but directed <laughs> at everyone. <laughs> so you can and also be looking for a fire the muskets no. because after the draft, we're going to have to talk all about the draft and what players they took and what surprised us and the whole ball of wax. I think it started by someone saying what a time for Boston sports and we're going to end it right now saying what a time for Boston sports and be on the lookout for all of the content, which you can find at www.bostonsportssyndicate.com, Twitter, Instagram, at Boston sports, S Y N. You already know where to find the podcast since you're listening, like us, rate us, thumbs up, subscribe, do all that fun stuff as well. Uh, try the uh, SeatGeek code while you're at it. That would be SeatGeek.com. Code BSS. Don't know if it works yet, but that'll be, I believe it's $20, $20 off your first purchase uh, when you use a fresh new email. Chris, how many emails do you have, just out of curiosity? I have a few. Can you, uh, it's B-E-S-S? No, no. No, no, it's B-S-S. Seekgeek.com, promo code BSS. I was confused. If, I, I couldn't honestly couldn't remember if it was Boston or BSS. That was that was the the mix up there. But it's it's BSS. Seekgeek.com promo code BSS. Also check out Symbol, new proud content provider for Symbol.app/slash/BSS. I think I got it all. Did I miss anything? Anybody? I think you got it. No. Oh no no. Awesome. No. Buy merch. Oh. 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 Buy merch. Freeze frame. Bye, merch. All right. Thank you, all three of you. Thank you for uh, for joining me. I look forward to doing more of them. And everybody listening, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. Later. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate podcast provided by IMCDM. Boston Sports Syndicate. Yes. I'm missing you back in back